And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This is the Hagman and Hagman Report for tonight. And I'll tell you, we've got a great program for you planned. A lot of news, a lot of things happening. My goodness. Uh, folks, uh, you can catch us live, of course, Monday through Friday. That's we every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to be. Really populated by a lot of great, uh, a lot of great shows. Um, Websites, Hagman and Hagman.com, show information and show prep HagmanReport.com. A lot of things to get into tonight, of course, uh, uh, Hagman and Hagman Report, uh, the premier investigative reporting team of Doug and Joe Hagman. So glad to, that you're able to join us tonight. So much to get into. It seems like Rush Limbaugh is getting on the, uh, on the, uh, on the trail of Benghazi. If, uh, I don't know how many people have heard him or heard him today. Welcome to the party, Rush. That's all I've got to say. Welcome to the party. Rush Limbaugh breaking his silence saying, hey, you know what? Uh, Julian Assange of WikiLeaks claims that there are a whole lot of emails coming out. Well, 17,000 over, 17,000 alone on Benghazi, on Libya, and Gaddafi by Hillary. Diane Rodham, the witch Clinton. But before we get into all of that, I uh, just want to let you know that uh, tonight, uh, the uh, program as the program unfolds, we're going to have our number two segment number two. We are going to have uh, Ross Powell joining us to talk about various issues, uh, including but not limited to the state of the economy and what is being proposed to take money out of your pocket and how to survive. But uh, very interesting information. Ross Powell solo. Uh, folks, uh, before, oh, and hour number three is going to be Stan Dale, but I want to make sure that you know today is Steve Quayle, my good friend, my brother, his birthday. How many people send him birthday wishes today? All right, by email. Uh, happy birthday, Steve Quayle. And of course, he's not going to be on with us as expected. Uh, actually, he was being surprised, uh, by his wife. So, uh, Yay, he's taking some time off. Joe, welcome to the night, to the program. Great to be here tonight. It's going to be an uh, uh, information-filled program. As you said, uh, Ross Powell from yep. Survival401k will be joining us. Talking about, talking about the state oh, of the economy, yeah. the potential for economic chaos, and uh, martial law. <clears throat> Can we it are, be? Can it be? Can it be? We're going to have it? Uh, <laughs> possibly. All right. And Stan Dale will be joining us in hour number three. Now, what we're going to do tonight is in the first segment of our third hour. Stan is going to talk about um, <clears throat> a few things, and what we're going to do in, in the second half, the last 26 minutes of the show, is take listener questions via phone calls for Stan. Now, you know what? So we, we're going to open the phones from 9.30 to 10, <clears throat> uh, maybe 9.20 to 10, so we can get callers lined up, for uh, people who have... Uh, Topical, uh, quick questions for Stan. Yeah, and, and please make them brief. Please make them concise. Please make them topical as well. And that would be for Stan Dale, starting at uh, at about nine twenty or the uh, 
or uh, 20 minutes into the uh, first uh, his first segment. But we've got a lot of information to get into. Um, yeah. Uh, Where do you want to start well, today? Well, some of the news headlines. Let, let's go over. Let's talk about. Let's just give a rundown of the hot headlines. All right. We have a number of interesting uh, headlines. I want to start here. There has been uh, Donald Trump has come out and talked about the uh, possibility for electronic voting machines to be rigged and this to be a rigged election. Well, Wired Magazine and <clears throat> published on Wired.com did a story. America's electronic voting machines are scarily easy targets. So as you see in the news, all this talk about Trump and how crazy he is to say that the election could be rigged uh, outside of just the populist and electoral vote is is crazy nonsense. Wired Magazine has a different take. This week, GOP presidential candidate Donald Trump openly speculated that this election would be rigged. Absolutely. Russia decided to take an active role in our elections. There's no basis for questioning the results of a vote that's still months away. But the interference and aspirations do merit a fresh look at the woeful state of our outdated, insecure electronic voting machines. Now, this article goes on to lay out different scenarios and ways that uh, it's possible uh, to rig the system, the vulnerabilities of the machines. And, uh, I mean, it's it's been proven. It has been proven. And they, they stated cases such as the 2000 election with Al Gore and the hanging chads, uh, which left, led to a Bush-Gore deadlock where a president was not declared for some 40 days, I believe, uh, until uh, the Supreme Court ruled on it and Al Gore, you know, backed down. But um, there is merit to what Trump is saying about the potential for the voting machines to be rigged. Now, while we're talking about Trump, Obama had some remarks about Trump today that were very interesting, um, to say the least. Obama said Trump is unfit woefully unprepared for presidency has to be a point where Republicans say enough. Now, Alex Jones and Infowars.com did a story on this where they put a different spin on this where many were just pointing out how Obama said Trump was unfit to be president. Infowars um, and Alex Jones did a piece uh, written by Kit Daniels that says uh, this. Uh, and I like this. Obama signals Trump will win. The Kenyan king resorts to desperation as Hillary falls behind. And it goes on to talk about if the election was already in the bag for Hillary, why would Obama be working overtime to convince the GOP to dump Trump? Instead, he'd be encouraging Trump to speak out more if his words were helping Hillary. But that is not the case at all. So what we saw today was Obama signaling that the globalists are losing and Hillary is falling too far behind for the technocrats to rig the election in her favor. Now, I'll disagree with that last statement because I don't think there's any... uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter how far behind she can fall or does fall. If they want her in as president, she will be put in as president. And it's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned that because Hollandaise, Francis Hollandaise says, America's elections are global. This is, okay, so, so explain to me, and, and look, folks, the globalists are on the run. We've got them on the run, or at least they should be, at least in my, in my estimation. And they're going to make it appear that way. Well, okay, fine. But, 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 but see, Trump does pose a threat, and, and the movement behind Trump poses a threat. The veil is being lifted. 
this um, Hollanday saying Trump excesses in U.S. elections make him sick. All right, yeah. uh, uh, this is absolutely incredible. But the fact is, the globalists have a death grip on their power. But Eric, all of this, can you see my screen? All of this. Okay, uh, I don't know if you want to put this up here uh, on the YouTube screen. And folks, you can go to redstatewatcher.com and check out an article titled "New Rally Photos Emerge," and it's startling. Uh, it's starting to become real, uh, really embarrassing for Hillary. Now, these, um, as Trump overflows stadiums, Hillary can't fill a classroom. Do we need more evidence that she is uh, rigging it, rigging the system? There was a rally held in an Omaha high school where she appears to fill a quarter of the gym. And if you scroll down a little bit, there was a rally in Johnstown, PA, yesterday where there are maybe 10 row 10 rows of folding chairs partially filled up while Trump is filling stadiums while Trump is filling um you know concert halls to the point where fire marshals are turning people away and shutting his uh the uh, a number of attendees oh yeah uh an example we talked about this yesterday there was a venue uh, Trump was going to speak at that was able to hold up to 6,000 people. The fire marshal closed the door at 1,000 people. So Trump can't find enough seats for his audience. Hillary can't find enough audience for her seat. Yet we're supposed to believe there is a national tie amongst these two candidates. Indeed. Something to keep your eye on. Yes. Now, and, go ahead. Back to uh, the WikiLeaks cables. I don't know how much you want to get into this now. No, this is my segment, man. Okay. I, I got I got to get into this. In fact, let's let's roll in my corner here. I, I, I want to do my corner. All right. Now, I, I got a question. Do folks on the on the Gold Star Radio side get the? They hear nothing. Okay, so the awkward no, silence, if is... there is any, folks. If you go to YouTube and watch the video but as we've reformatted right. the show. Eric has put together some awesome graphics that segue the uh, titles of these uh, segments. That's right. But anyway. Look at that. Ringside. That's right. But but, but here's the deal, folks. Um, And and I want to get into this because I think this merits a a segment. And I've, and I've said this before. I've, I've been, I've been, I believe I've been on the cutting edge of this. Again, not to say, you know, how great I am, but the fact of the matter is we have been bamboozled. Now, uh, Rush Limbaugh came out today. And in fact, it's on his website where his uh, he posted a transcript, and I think the title is "Did Hillary Run Guns Out of Benghazi?" Well, welcome to the party, Rush. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the party. Here's the deal. Um, Rush gets into this. He, he writes, or he stated that uh, during his broadcast that Julian Assange at WikiLeaks claims that there are a whole lot more emails coming, and there are, in fact, according to our sources, twenty-three thousand thirty-five yes. cables. Uh, have been released by WikiLeaks that prove Clinton knew emails were marked classified when she sent and received them. But 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 specific to Libya, specific to Benghazi, mm-hmm. seventeen thousand plus are involved or are related to Benghazi. Now now here is why it's, this is important. Limbaugh is coming out on this, and he, here is why we're not getting the entire truth about this. 
In my segment, in my corner, I'm going to take on here the globalists, the uh, uh, the uh, political mouthpieces, the talkers who do not and have not to this point uh, given this much time. And it's unfortunate, but the gang of eight know about this. The reason, the, 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 the entire reason that this has been hidden, this has been a globalist operation. Back prior to, um, is when, when, um, Hillary Diane Rodham Clinton became Secretary of State, one of her duties was to, uh, topple Assad in Syria. And remember, folks, I had written back prior to Benghazi and subsequent to Benghazi the attacks thereof that it was all about Syria. Now Rush today comes on his program and says, look, there, uh, uh, he, he says that there, there are some, there's so much about Benghazi, but much, uh, but not so much what you think of when you hear Benghazi. In other words, he's starting to come around and say, oh wait, Maybe there was another reason. And, and he said this. He, he asked, have you ever stopped to ask yourself, what were they doing there? Meaning, uh, of course, the, the American, uh, uh, the Stevens and, and, and the, the CIA complex. And, and he said that, uh, we had just wiped out Gaddafi. Terrorism rose up in that country out of control. It was a hellhole. His words, not mine. It was a dangerous place to be, he, he said. There was no reason to have a State Department annex anywhere near an embassy in Benghazi. Okay, Rush, a little geography lesson. You've got Benghazi pretty much on the eastern, or the, yeah, that's right, the eastern side of northern Libya. And then you've got Tripoli much further to the west. So, but he says, nonetheless, there was no reason for it diplomatically, and that's true. There was no dim- diplomatic reason for any presence in Benghazi, especially in Benghazi. All right, now think about this. Now, now Russia's coming around, and he's saying, okay, okay. Um, in the aftermath of ousting Gaddafi, which Hillary Clinton to this day claims was a major foreign policy achievement. Folks, she is running her campaign on the fact that they got rid of Gaddafi in Libya, and that is a good thing. Well, as it turns out, it's not. And, and as Rush points out in his, in his, uh, uh, I don't want to say diatribe, but his uh, statement today, Rush points out that Gaddafi post Saddam, post Iraq came around. Well, it happened before that, Rush, because Gaddafi post 9-11 was furnishing American intelligence with intelligence, uh, about the terrorists various Islamic terrorists. Of course, his mind was changed. You have to remember, go back to uh, when Reagan uh, bombed his tent that contained his daughter. But the fact of the matter is, what Rush Limbaugh had said today, and and, and I I don't think, Rush, obviously you're not listening, but uh, maybe some of your your producers are. Uh, We do know that uh, at least one of the... uh, uh, people associated with the Limbaugh program does does listen. But the fact of the matter is, uh, Rush, that uh, we were on this before. Yes, there was a gun-running operation out of Benghazi. That's what Benghazi was all about, and they were arming the Syrian rebels. But the reason you're not hearing this and the reason that the uh, that the Republicans and, and, and really the, uh, the entirety of Congress has been ineffective in investigating this it's not because they're they're incompetent. It's because they are complicit. When you consider 
that there is something called the Gang of Eight. It's a colloquial term for a set, a group of eight leaders within the United States Congress who are briefed on matters of intelligence. And uh, what we have, what we have here is this group of eight lawmakers in Congress who sit down with the president and are briefed on matters specific to, um, well, specific to matters of, of, of uh, intelligence. And, and the Gang of Eight includes the leaders of each of the two parties, from both the Senate and the House of Representatives, and the chairs um, and ranking minority members of both the Senate Committee and House Committee for Intelligence, as set forth in 50 U.S.C., Section 413B. Now, the president, in this case, is required under law to ensure that congressional intelligence committees are kept fully and currently informed of the intelligence operations and activities inside and outside of the United States. More outside, obviously, but inside on the domestic side. However, under 50 U.S.C., 413B and C., the president, the man in the White House, may elect to report instead of the Gang of Eight under extraordinary circumstances when he thinks it's essential to limit access to information about a covert action. And this is exactly, ladies and gentlemen, what happened with Libya. This is why the the various committees are not effective on Benghazi. You will never get the truth on Benghazi because the Gang of Eight that includes uh, Devin Nunes, Adam Schiff, Richard Burr, Diane Feinstein, Paul Ryan, Nancy Pelosi, Mitch McConnell, and Harry Reid. Those eight individuals were not just informed, but they were complicit in the gun smuggling, gun running operation out of Benghazi, Libya. They were complicit in taking down Libya. I had reported on this consistently at CanadaFreePress.com. All you have to do is search CanadaFreePress.com, Benghazi, and you will see that my intelligence source was 100% correct. 100% correct. The very intelligence source that has been assailed and insulted and taken to task by various bloggers who are essentially working for the Clinton team. Mm -hmm. And this is important for everyone to understand. When you get this level of, of, um, uh, of of hatred by these people, by these bloggers, by these journalists, these so-called investigative journalists who are working as waitresses or waiters or boxer or, or busboys. And, and I don't mean to denigrate that position because, my goodness, I would put them far and above, that position far and above these these people who are, are, are masquerading as investigative journalists. The fact of the matter is they are being paid by the Clinton camp. They are being paid by the globalists to take down the information about Benghazi and say, no, this is not true. You are wrong. Now Rush Limbaugh comes today, August 2nd, 2016, and says, wait, 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 wait. Wait, there's more to it. There's more to it. Does, does uh, Rush mention <clears throat> Hillary Clinton's interview with Chris Wallace? Well, it, it, no, that, that's uh, something totally different, but well, yes. Well, no, I understand, because this, this gets into one, another uh, parent of a Benghazi victim, and this is Mr. Charles Woods, the father of Tyrone Woods, one of the Benghazi soldiers killed on Correct. September 11, 2012. Yes. He gets into it separately, but 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 the fact of the matter is this: the uh, when when he when when uh, yeah, I mean he he talks about Charles Woods, um, where 
he said that yeah, either well, Clinton was Clinton was Chris lying Wallace. then or now. Clinton was interviewed by Chris Wallace on Sunday. Right. During the conversation, Chris Wallace asked Clinton, uh, you know, about Benghazi, and Clinton suggested that she had not lied to the Benghazi victims' families and told them the terror attack was actually the spontaneous reaction to an offensive internet video. She held no ill feeling toward family members because their memories must uh, just be fuzzy. She insisted. Yeah, fuzzy math, fuzzy memories, and uh, uh, I mean, it's in, know, it's on the record. Right. I, I mean. For Charles anybody. Strange, uh, in Extortion 17, gave a good indication of how Obama lied and the gold star mothers of the, uh, Tyrone Woods and Darty and, and others, uh, that happened, that were killed at, in Benghazi certainly have outed, uh, Clinton for the liar that she is. Yeah. Okay. But, 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 but here, Rush goes and, and, and talks and, in fact, does mention about, um, about uh, Mr. Mr. Woods, but 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 the fact is, Rush refers or defers to an article in the National Review saying, "Hey, hey, apparently you, apparently Hillary Clinton's Benghazi debacle, arming jihadists in Libya and Syria, WikiLeaks is proving it to be true." Folks, we had this two, three years ago. We had this right after the attacks. The, 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 the 9-11, the September 11th, 2000, uh, attacks, 2012 attacks in, uh, Benghazi, Libya. We had this information. We, we didn't spend, you know, one and a half million or billion dollars with all of these committees, these Senate committees. We had this information. We delivered it to you directly on a silver platter through our reporting and my articles at CanadaFreePress.com and at HagmanReport.com. It's there. We told you that we were running guns out of Libya uh, in arming the Syrian rebels, uh, Syrian terrorists, that is. We told you that we were, be- we were going to be facing Russia face-to-face, toe-to-toe in Syria. We are today. We told you that this was a proxy war between the United States and Russia. It is today. Andy McCarthy now from the or McCarthy from the National Review is starting to to admit it. Rush Limbaugh is saying, "Hey, wait a minute. There might there must be something to this." Of course there is. And again, just to quote, just to quote uh, Bruce Willis, "Welcome to the party, pal." About five years too late. Yeah, but but see, here's here's the thing. The complicity, and, and this is why, in, in, in my in, in my corner here, in, in Doug's little uh, ringside corner, here's what I'm saying to everyone. You're not going to get the truth from this Congress. You're not going to get the truth from any elected official or any appointed official in Washington, D.C., and the reason is they were in on it. The House uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, the United States Select Committee on Intelligence, the leadership in the U.S. House of Representatives, and the uh, representatives and the leadership in the United States Senate, whether it's Paul Ryan formerly, or Harry Reid, or Mitch McConnell, or Nancy Pelosi, they all knew about the gun-running operations, and they, they signed off on it, if you will. The Gang of Eight signed off on it. The U.S. Armed Forces. Uh, the United States military and combined with Western intelligence that include intelligence from from the Great Britain, from France, from um, from Israel, and, and and as much as it, you might say, oh my goodness, don't say that that's so anti-Semitic, folks. This is uh, this is a globalist initiative. But now Andy McCarthy, cited by Rush Limbaugh, is coming out and saying, hey, we did WikiLeaks now. Okay, they're 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 giving us the emails. 
you wanted people said, well, where's the proof? We told you there was proof. We told you there were documents. We told you that there were emails coming out. Now it's confirmed over 17,000. And of course, WikiLeaks has them. And hence the, the uh, reference by Donald Trump to Russian intelligence. You don't think that Russia has them? The attacks in Benghazi, Russia knew exactly what we were doing. Russia knew that we were going toe-to-toe with them. They were supporting Assad. They did not want to see ISIS, the Islamic terrorists, topple Assad. Russia knew, Russia said, told Obama, what are you doing? Asked him, what are you doing? Told uh, 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 Hillary Clinton, what are you doing? Are you nuts? Because you take out... You de- de- if you destabilize Syria like you did Libya, if you destabilize Libya like you did the rest of the, the, the entirety really of the Middle East, you are going to empower ISIS and that is exactly what they did. But it was just not Obama and it was just not Hillary Clinton. It was Devin Nunes. It was Adam Schiff. It was Richard Burr. It was Diane Feinstein. It was Paul Ryan. It was John Boehner. It was Nancy Pelosi. And it is all of the, the above. And Mitch McConnell and Harry Reid, they're all in on it, folks. This is bigger than you can imagine. But Hillary Clinton, of course, is in fact the orchestra, the conductor of this orchestra. orchestra. You see, again, Rush Limbaugh now saying, Hey, there is something there. I direct your attention very quickly back to the ship, El Entasar. September 6, 2012. Recall that. The El Entasar, 35 miles south of the Syrian border in Turkey, caught in port with uh, millions, millions of pounds, millions of pounds of weaponry headed to the Syrian terrorists, now known as ISIS. That was one of the final shipments of weapons, not because of the exposure from Benghazi, but because the operation was over. That was the construction, or the deconstruction, the devolving of the weapon transfer, of the arming of ISIS. And Hillary Clinton and Obama and the Republican Democratic Senators are front and center, right there, front and center. We are winning the information war. We are winning the information war. We are getting people out there. It's because of you folks. It's because of every one of you who tune, tune into this program and say, you know what, there's more news than, there's more information than there is on the evening news, on, 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 on the uh, cable news networks. Certainly there's more information here than the political theater we get with the, some of the big talkers. Let's get into really the news behind the news. And of course, Joe's got a lot of headlines. We've got a lot of headlines, a lot of news to talk about here in this next segment. Uh, yeah, we do. There is, uh, some news out of the, uh, Clinton camp. 
Now, uh, I saw this earlier today. There has been some uh, changing of leadership at the DNC due to the email hack. Now, people have been talking about the DNC being hacked, possibly by Russia. I don't know if you saw it today, but the NSA has come out and admitted that they were the ones that hacked the DNC. It's, Joe, it is all a CIA-slash-NSA-slash-globalist operation. Yes, blame Russia. Look, that's what it, the template is the same, folks. Let's blame Russia. Let's blame a foreign government. Not that Russia is doesn't have its hands dirty. Of course they do. But isn't it easier to blame Russia for this than it is to sit back and say, well, yeah, you know, hey, uh, John, my name is John Brennan. Testifying before the uh, House Committee, Senate Committee, or Senate Committee on Intelligence, and, and yes, we hacked the DNC emails. Counselor, go ahead. Wait a minute. I'm getting told in my ear uh, by my counselor sitting next to me. I shouldn't have said that. I'm going to plead the fifth. Of course, it's <laughs> Russia. It's Russia. No, it's not. It's our own government. It's the globalists. It's the criminal cabal within our government. It's the globalists who are attacking, who are, uh, expo- in this case, exposing the criminality, right? I mean, are, are they not? Oh, absolutely. They All right. Are, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and what we're seeing here is, uh, <clears throat> there's been a prominent, uh, Associated Free Press Clinton researcher found dead. Oh. Today, an AFP investigative reporter, prominent Clinton researcher, and prolific author, Victor Thorne, was found dead of an an apparent victim of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, Prolific author, American free press writer, and seasoned Clinton researcher, Victor Thorne was found dead at the top of a mountain near his home. The victim of an apparent suicide via gunshot wound to the head. Family and some close friends contend Thorne took his own life on his birthday, August 1st, which he would have been 54. During his career, he was the author of some 20 books and uh, numerous uh, newspaper articles for decades and decades. Uh, best known for his investigative research on the Clintons, Thorne wrote the Clinton Trilogy, Three definitive works that delve into the history of the power couple, including um, the scandals from Bill's sexual scandals with multiple women to the drug running out of Mena, Arkansas, while Clinton was governor. 9-11? Besides writing for AFP, Thorne published the works of numerous writers in alternative media, such as Michael Collins Piper, uh, Mark Glenn, and many others. Um, and... It's just a very odd timing, in my opinion, to see somebody who has built a career out of investigating and exposing Hillary Clinton to be found dead, not only on his birthday, but on top of a mountain, Vince Foster style, with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. It is um, something that is definitely going to take... need a deeper look into uh you know we're going to continue to look into this but also with the emails with Hillary well, Clinton. Wait a second. let's not move from thorn too quickly because you can bet your bottom dollar that people are going to say well suicides happen and they do mm-hmm. but when you look at this and i don't know folks i'm going to put this call out there if there are any professors of mathematics okay uh and, and i'm not <laughs> seriously statistics? Uh, yes 
yeah. experts in statistics. What I would like to to uh, what I would like to be, or what I like to what I'd like to, to see, is I'd like to see the statistical probabilities. What do you think? If we took everyone that's because look, I suppose being the president of the United States or being the speaker of the house or whatever position you might hold, or secretary of state, don't wouldn't you have? Um, you would know everybody just about, right? You'd be in contact, yeah, with everybody. But how would that play out? What criteria, as a statistician, what criteria would you use? To ferret out the um, uh, ferret out the, the the people that are not not really you know that don't matter. My I guess here, here's my question, folks. If anyone is, and here's my here's my uh, plea. If there's any person out there who's a professor who's got a degree, I mean, who's got who's got the ability to to run the stats on on, on the on the numbers on the people surrounding Clintons, or or maybe you already have. I'd love to see the numbers. I I there has to be reports out there. I mean, there has to be. Somebody has had to do the research already oh, I'm for sure. the Clinton body count sure. that we've heard and, and, and know about um, that continues to gra- to rise and grow. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure that this is something that's been looked into, and people have been working on it or have done work on it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I'd, so I, I I really would like to see that because I think that um, I I. I, I <clears throat> We've we've got to be entering here into a we're already in in a banana republic, but we've got to be entering into a period that you you've got the the bar the uh, the, the barbell on the throat of the, the UN guy. You have of course the uh, just the, the the Deadpool list by the Clintons, which has been published you know and updated. But now you're getting more and more as the Clintons are going into the presidential the timing of the presidential uh, race. Mm-hmm. For the elections, so yeah, all right, go ahead. I just, I just, I'll put the call out there. So if you're, if you are a published uh, or or you know a tenured uh, uh, mathematician uh, professor, I'd love to be able to uh, uh, talk to you about the statistical probabilities of, of this. Come on, sir. Well, there's uh, more news uh, out of the DNC email uh, situation. Um, the chief executive of the Democratic National Committee. And two other top officials have resigned in the wake of an email hack that embarrassed the party on the eve of its presidential nominating convention. CEO Amy Dacey, Chief Financial Officer Brad Marshall, and Communications Director Louis Miranda left their jobs on t- Tuesday, the party said in a statement. Um, the resignations are the latest fallouts from the hacked emails, which exposed an apparent lack of neutrality in the primary race between Clinton and Bernie Sanders, with some party officials uh, disparaging Sanders. Now, yesterday, there was an article here, uh, maybe it was a day before that, uh, that I found that gets into this, how in bed the Democratic National Convention was in with with Hillary Clinton to the point that um, they basically had her as the nominee before the primaries even started. And we know Planned Parenthood from those uh, Center for Medical Progress videos uh, and Cecil Richards came out and said, you know, um, 
Yes, she will be the nominee. Now, WikiLeaks, in the WikiLeaks dump, they had also um, exposed this fact that the DNC is actually working with CBS to construct specific working of how poll data should be presented to the CBS news audience in order to manipulate socially the minds of voters out there to make it appear as though Hillary Clinton was already winning or had won um, the nomination when Bernie Sanders when Bernie Sanders still had a shot and was winning more states than Clinton. Right. Right. Now, um, there is a, a number of articles, but uh, one of the ones uh, that I have read is the Conservative Treehouse. That's an, by the way, WikiLeaks. that's an interesting, uh, uh, interesting uh, site for, despite its name, Conservative Treehouse. I don't find it all that conservative by many of the contributors, but it's an interesting site for statistics and for, and for numbers and for background information. It's a good, it's a good resource. Go ahead. The, they label this as media agenda polls, the type of collusion uh, that was outlined in this article, and they talk about how um, you know promoting uh, data based on an agenda is is immoral and untruthful yet the practice has, has been continued um and has as we see with the polls today they say since the democratic national convention that hillary clinton has gained a seven point lead over trump uh, and there has been you know nothing uh as far as i can see that would have changed any minds in any capacity uh from either convention but moving on with more Hillary Clinton news and NAFTA and free trade. I found this article very interesting from citizensgroup.us. NAFTA cost the U.S. 56,190 factories, not jobs, factories. 57,000 factories. And made Hillary Clinton a billionaire. Well, the wait, wait a second. She was broke when she left the White House. When her and Bill left the White House, that's why she stole all the furniture and everything. That's right. right. And and yeah, yeah. Well, what this uh, article lays out is it says that the free trade agreements have been a huge boom for the wealth wealthiest of the wealthy and a disaster for the rest of us Americans, especially those who are employed. In the weeks before Valentine's Day, United Technologies expressed its love for its devoted Indiana employee workers whose labor had kept their corporation profitable by informing 2,100 of them at two facilities at their shipping factories uh, that they were shipping their jobs to Mexico. Three days later, 1,300 workers at a Philadelphia uh, manufacturing Cardone learned that the company planned to throw... um, them to Mexico also. Here in, in where we live in Pennsylvania, GE has been shipping jobs overseas by the boatload. It seems like every month um, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of more jobs being uh, shipped out of the country. Now, the manufacturing sector of this country was gutted when the NAFTA and GATT and these free trade agreements uh, went into effect. Now, the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Transatlantic uh, trade agreement are going to complete the globalization of the job market in the sense that manufacturing will be completely removed from the United States. Robots will be the workers in, you know, fast food restaurants and, um, places where you, you go buy things from a cashier. You will have, uh, 
outsourcing customer service like you do now, but everything is made everywhere else. But We're going to be the biggest importer pretty soon and, and, rather and, than the biggest out exporter, which China took over last year. Right. Now, I think it's important for people to understand that Sharia law, okay, you've got the Hegelian dialectic, and the influx, Joe, of, of aliens into this country, especially Muslims, by a 99 to 1 margin, 99.5 to 0.5 margin, plays a role into exactly what you're saying. And people don't make this connection. And I really, Joe, I really, I think this is important. 57,000 factories blown out of the water, you know, from, from NAFTA. Now, NAFTA yeah, has not a jobs, long, factories. Right. But, but he, here's, here's the Hegelian dialectic, um, the, the, uh, synthesis and, synthesis and of course the, um, but, but, but you, you've got the imposition or the influx of Sharia, uh, of the, uh, well, of Sharia and Muslim values in direct opposition to not just the moral, spiritual, and ideological, uh, Judeo-Christian, uh, uh, leanings. But it's, it's anti-capitalism as well. If you look at their platform, yeah, and we Which need is, to dig deeper into the into the two party system. When you look at the Republicans and the Democrats, people have a skewed view of right. the history of the two uh, political parties. The Democrats were never champions of civil rights until never. the nope. late sixties when they co opted the movement. Thank you. Republicans for that up. were the party that freed the slaves. The Democrats were the party that wanted to continue to have slaves. Right. And uh just to give you an idea of how, you know, the these Democrats talk about, you know, everything needs to be fair and and everybody deserves a, a fair chance and mm-hmm. this and that. Well, what they've done is take manufacturing jobs out of the US for uh the profit and lining the pockets of the heads of these companies to where you'd have to pay somebody at least minimum wage here, which is almost eight dollars <throat> or seven twenty five. But what they're doing now is Companies are going to Mexico, being able to pay Mexican workers only three dollars an hour, um, and, and there's doing no, it in over thirty-six. No con- this one company here, United Technologies, is doing this in over thirty-six countries, right? In order to line their own pockets. Now, as Secretary of State Hillary Clinton sought to build on her husband's NAFTA gains by writing the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Correct. And the, the TPP would worsen the situation and would give corporations like United Technologies the option of moving to places like Vietnam, <clears throat> where they could pay traffic workers and child laborers a dollar an hour or less. So now the Mexican and the TPP passes, now the people who had factory and manufacturing jobs in Mexico are going to see those jobs and those factories yep. ship to countries where child slave labor is okay. And this is all being done by the Democratic agenda who stands for human rights and equality and all the things that, that this isn't. Well, it's just, yeah, hypocrisy at its finest. And, and I think what we need to do as well. And go on. The last fact, the Clinton sure. Foundation, um, has made over one billion dollars, one billion dollars with a B since the passing of NAFTA, and the Clinton Foundation has actually grown by over a 1,000% since Obama became president. In 2003, it was reported of a value of less than $100 million. Today, it's over a billion. 
2.5 billion, I believe, according to the latest book, um, in the latest Clinton cash, I think, uh, also makes reference to it. But, uh, the amount of money is staggering and only 10%, less than 10%, if it was a charity or yeah. it being a charity, less than 10% actually makes it to the actual cause. That's of the Clinton Global Initiative. And the last statistic I'll give, uh, from NAFTA is that NAFTA increased the wealth of the top 1% by 400% over the last 100 years. Say that one more time. I think that deserves another. And I say last hundred years when NAFTA was implemented in right. 1995, but the chart that I'm looking at goes from 23 or 1913. Right. And right around 1993 and especially, uh, between 93 and 2003, that's where the, the biggest spike, but it says NAFTA has increased the wealth of the top 1% by 400%. There it is. And, and it's important for people to understand that because... And that says the, the free trade is a huge boom for only the wealthiest of the wealthy. There it and is. And that's the bottom line. There it is. Yeah. It, 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 precisely. So we have to ask ourselves, too, where do we stand here in this fight right now for our lives? And I think that looking at this, we are in the fight of, of our lives, folks. Yes, we are. Um, uh, you know that, that uh, what came out today, that under Obama... And then wait, my computer's freezing up. Every okay. minute, there's a hundred million dollars added to our debt of every day. Every minute. Well, yeah. yeah but, but, million didn't, you know, but it didn't start with Obama. It started oh, long no, it before didn't. that. And, and of course, you, you had the Iran or the war. But since we started Iraq the show, the that's $4.8 billion. Huh? <laughs> It's, I mean, that's just crazy. it's unsustainable, and of course, Ross Powell is going to talk about that in an upcoming segment here. But but the fact of the matter is, we've got to we we've got to, to understand here. We're in the fight of our lives. We've got the globalists being exposed. When I when I say, let me qualify what I said earlier. When I say we're winning the information war, the war of information, you can see where the globalists are as are, are engaged in damage control. You know, in a football game. You play offense or defense. You don't play both at the same time, I suppose. Well, there's special theory. teams. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you <laughs> something. The, um, we have right now, we have the ball, it seems, the people who are pushing the information to the masses. Now you've got the masses who are, uh, who are otherwise busy, you know, putting food on the table and, and, and don't listen, can't listen, working two jobs, you know, and so on, trying to, uh, trying to just survive in the environment created by the globalists through programs like NAFTA or because of programs like NAFTA. But then you've got the other, others who are the entitlement mentality mm-hmm. and the millennials. What a, you know, what a bunch of, for the most part, what a bunch of, of, of selfish people who want everything right away and have no, no, no understanding of, uh, Delayed gratification have no understanding of of what it means to work hard, and those are the people that we see as useful idiots and tools of the globalists out there causing the trouble. But what I mean by winning the information war is the 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 new media that this media, this show, and other shows like it, we are pushing the globalists into a position of having to play defense. That's what I'm saying. Okay, anytime you have the ball and you can advance the ball downfield, you might, you're, the score of the game might be really lopsided against you, but we're winning at least in this part of the game. 
And that's why I want to clarify that. And, and there are a few shows pressure. out there that do that yes. with the truth and, and uh, with the the answers uh, that exactly. do it for furthering, you know, and bettering people's lives other than themselves and, and yeah. secret agendas. And I'm going to correct something. It wasn't every second. It was every hour. So, every minute it was every hour. Yeah, it, $100 million. Dollars. Every day and it's unsustainable. <laughs> yeah. Um, under Barack Obama, national debt increases $100 million every hour of every day. Yep. And it goes on to say that what took other presidents more than 200 years to do, Barack Obama has done in one year and continues doing it year in and year out. That being spending over a trillion dollars or adding a trillion dollars every year to the national debt. That's right. And, um, you know, that's just a staggering fact. And as you said, uh, Ross Powell from Survival 401k will be on with us to talk about some of this. Now, um, while we have a few minutes left before the break, uh, socialist experiment, Venezuela in ruins as soldiers delete videos of 12 hour food uh, lines. A BBC journalist who attempted to film the crisis <laughs> was stopped and forced by soldiers to delete footage of a protest outside a supermarket as desperate Venezuelans waited for food. Uh, the crowd shouted, we want to buy stuff, as they grouped outside the store in the country's capital. BBC journalist Vladimir Hernandez reports that many people approached him to say, they had queued for 12 hours without being able to buy what they wanted. They stood in line, of course. In the short clip, the crew were warned by a demonstrator that they had been spotted by members of the Venezuelan army, who then proceeded to delete the footage. So as we see, there is no slowing down to the socialist chaos that is starving Venezuela, literally, uh, taking the food right out of their mouth and it is only going to get worse uh, from there we have also a warning from Ron Paul folks remember former Texas congressman Ron Paul yep Americans are not or Americans are going to be disappointed in this election outcome he says it is a sad commentary on the state of the political life in the US that our political conventions have become more like rock music festivals than a competition of ideas and Ron Paul has come out and made uh, a few statements um, about the country, the state of the country, and where he sees this going. Um, he goes on to say through uh, Ron Paul via the Institute of Peace and Prosperity, says that uh, there is disturbingly absent is any mention of how we got in this crisis and how we can get out of it from either side of the aisle or from either candidate. Uh, Clinton, in her convention speech, promised that she would fight terrorism and defeat ISIS by doing more of what we have been doing all along. Bombing. Mm, yep, they say that yep. they bomb more than 50,000, they've dropped more than 50,000 bombs on ISIS in Iraq and Syria over the past two years, and all she can say is that she will drop more. How many bombs will defeat ISIS? How many more years will she keep us in our longest war? Afghanistan, she doesn't say. And Afghanistan is the longest war in U.S. history. And the it's most, been going uh, on by for far 13 years. Yes. And is it not irony that we were the ones behind uh, helping the Mujahideen or Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda against the Russians? That's right. Um, as Russia tried to go into, went to war with Afghanistan and in a Vietnam style war 
like we see with the U.S. and Afghanistan, um, there is no winner 13 years in. And I think it's less of a war and more of a drug money operation than anything else. Oh, As heroin absolutely. has produced, you know, uh, thousandfold in Afghanistan since we have been um, over there. And it continues to grow. The, the the drug operation, the drug running operation by the Western intelligence agencies, including and especially the CIA and the weapons running operations, are just ridiculous. As we talked about, you know, where where do these drugs go? <laughs> because the, on the, the doctors are, aren't aren't well, uh, right, you know, right. giving them to people who need them, and it's on the streets to cause the okay, right. And one day we're going to have to do a show about this because yes. those people who are in need of of, of state run rehab facilities just and can't, can't get it's it. a money making. Uh, operation, and that's what it's all about. It's Indeed not about it healing disease. It's not about getting people better. It's about getting federal grant money and other monies allude, uh, allocated for uh, recovery programs. That's right. And a recap, and a recap, folks. Rush Limbaugh breaks his uh, heretofore silence, admitting Benghazi. Yes, what are we doing there? Apparently needed the 17,000 emails about Libya to be convinced that, yeah, we were running drugs, or we run running, uh, arming ISIS there in Libya. Gang of eight, full knowledge from Devin Nunes to Nancy Pelosi to Paul Ryan and John Boehner. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Hagman and Hagman Report. Doug Hagman with Joe Hagman, America's premier investigative father-son and report team. We uh, so glad you joined us. So glad to have you. Stay right with us. Money certainly is important, especially when you don't have it. Understanding what's going on with our economy is, like, extremely important. A survey, recent survey, 62% of uh, respondents said the economy and their personal savings, their personal finances, one of the most important parts in this election. Well, how about the Save Up Act? Uh What's what's that about? Uh, what's going to happen when a mandatory 50-cent contribution by employers? Yes, we're employers. What's going to happen to our economy when that uh, is passed? How about a market overview? Much needed today, right now. World affairs at the pushing things down the pike, whether it's the South China Sea or European terrorism. It does affect monetary Things. How about WikiLeaks, Julian Assange, more Hillary emails, and, of course, verification that we're arming ISIS. What does that do to our economic stance? And, hey, what about the Wisconsin election? I've got I've got the very liberal family members in from Wisconsin. Hello out there. They were in studio last night uh, briefly in, until she began retching and saying, oh, no, I can't take it anymore, and then left. But with us is, of course, somebody who's going to untangle everything. You've heard about 
Mr. Ross Powell, Survival 401k. I've got people writing in saying, ask Ross, man, what's going on? Because, I, because I, apparently I got one right here. I got one, I got an email right here, Joe. This person says, hey, can, can I ask Ross a question? Because listen to me. Um, uh, here it is right here. Hang on. Uh, guess what? Uh, I got one of those lovely letters stating that a third of my pension from this university, I won't name the university, is going to be turned over to government in a couple of days. I need advice right now. What's going on? And who knows but Ross Powell, Joe. Uh, Ross Powell, survival401k.com. <clears throat> Ross, it's great to have you back on the show. We got the, a chance to meet in Dallas in March. Yes, we did. Which was awesome. I got, I got his T-shirt, too. I got his T-shirt, and I wear it proudly. As I wear you guys as well, everywhere I go. Lots All of right, good looks. Hey. Makes you look thin, too, which is great. <laughs> well, you know, I I, I just I, I love it because, uh, uh, in fact, I wore your T-shirt in when we were, we were in Indianapolis. I, I snuck down about 5 o'clock in the morning to get a cup of coffee, and uh, there was somebody, actually, it was really kind of neat because somebody at the hotel was wearing one of our T-shirts, and we just kind of bumped the... Uh, coffee cups at 5 o'clock in the morning. It was kind of fun. It was great. Anyway, Ross, thanks well, for joining us, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you again. Well, Very much so. Appreciate it. Where do we start? What, what, what's uh, what's going on here? I mean, with, with the economy. Well, I mean, I think there's a, many of your, of your listeners know that sort of the economy is what is not what they make it out to be. And I originally wanted to talk about the CFA back, and I think that's the piece of resistance, and we'll talk through that. But I think everybody needs to recognize and just get validated about the market overview and just the general economic malaise that many people feel. And starting with the actual stock market, everybody can see the numbers running up to 18,000, almost 19,000. is back down again. Is that the Dow had a losing week of seven days straight, but there were only small, small amounts compared to the big jumps they had prior to that. And many of the people I talked to, many of them coming from your listening to your show and listening to Steve and others, saying, you know, this market just doesn't make any sense. And I talked to traders that have been in the business 22 years, others 40, Joe, at, uh, over at Strategic uh, Analysis. He's been in it 50 years, and he's saying it just makes any sense. So the bottom line is the Fed, the, 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 Fed, the central banks, starting with our Fed and the Bank of Japan and the European banks are all buying stocks and loaning money to big banks to do stock buybacks that are pushing this market up, up and up and up. And I'm talking to some customers who saying, I'm, I'm getting my quarterly statements and I'm expecting to get a huge bump and my numbers are down. How can that be? And I try to explain it to them that it's because the people making money are the market makers and the people that are buying back their stocks. And it's all falsely elevated to make this facade of the economy is going well. And if you listen to the president and many others, think everything is all well, nothing to see here. But when the average Joe, and you have 98,000, 98 million people out of work, you have all these people that are on food stamps, all these people that are on unemployment, tell them that the economy is great. Yeah, it's great for the 1%, but everybody else is sucking wind. So from the market, from the market perspective, it's totally overbought and, and fed by the, by, by the central banks. And toppling that is that you had Japan just pushed out like 29 trillion yen the other day for their latest stimulus, which crashed and burned. And the bond markets in Japan and in rolling through Europe and America are all starting to teeter, saying this this just can't continue. So it's showing you that the central banks are 
are losing control, and and most of them, I've seen stories all over the web today, how most of Wall Street people are not believing the Fed any longer. They've pretty much, or or cried wolf, or whatever whatever euphemism you want to use, they just don't believe them. They're calling, you know, they're calling it uh, organic fertilizer on them. And so at the end of the day, we're finding that the economy is not what it is. The bright never, side to all of that. Never was. But, I mean, it, it, well, never it really was, had, Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sir. No, it's all sophistry. To your point, do I get it? It's all sophistry. And the people making money on the East Coast and Wall Street and some of the big banks and investment houses on both coasts are making money hand over fist. But the retail customer and the institutional customers are not doing so well. And in fact, there's been several stories on them, most recently on Zero Hedge and others, where they're showing the statistics that outflows from Wall Street 17, 18, 19 weeks in a row, and it shows who's buying, and it shows the retail customer getting their money out, parking in in cash, and the institutional investors, like all the trust and the endowments and things like that, moving their money to the side. There'll be people pumping money into equities or the central banks and the big banks in order to prop up this, this balloon. So it's unfortunate that people get that and see that, and it's all, all as well. If you watch CBS, NBC, and ABC only, uh, you're going to think all all is grand until you go to the store, you talk to your neighbors or whatever, and it's not that's not the case. However, the glimmering hope is that, that, that many of you and the listeners on this in this audience are have bought into precious metals and they bought gold and they bought silver, and you're seeing a nice a nice. Uh, uh, gain recently to put this year, like 18 to 22 percent, something like that. And silver actually is outperforming gold. In fact, we've always talked about the gold-silver ratio, the silver-to-gold ratio, actually. And recently, it's 79 to 80 to one. As of today, it's at 66 and some change to one. So you're seeing silver breaking out and making a run, and I think it's going to continue to do that. So those of you who invest in their precious metals, hold on to them because I think you have a, a really big upside coming for you. So th- those are the high points. I mean, we could talk through some some foreign currency things, but I don't know that that makes any difference. I mean, the yen is at 101 to 1. Uh, the British pound is recovering from its lows. The euro, the euro is recovering. So the dollar is is moving back down a little bit, and, and so it's all kind of evening out again. But the, the, big, the big deal is the inflation of the actual stock market. Right. Well, you're the expert, so, uh, and, and our audience, one thing that, uh, and, and Ross, you know this, uh, Joe and I are very protective of our audience, and, and, uh, there are a lot of, uh, shysters out there and hucksters and people who, you know, uh, who do a lot of, or say a lot of things, and you, you know, it, it's amazing because you can go on these different financial, uh, websites and blogs, and you can, um, <laughs> I, I mean, who do you believe? So, so you've got to kind of, at least in my view, we've got to vet people who know what the heck they're talking about and can see through the glass darkly and to interpret the figures and, and stuff. And, and you're the guy. Uh, of all the people I've talked to, and, and folks, Ross did not ask me to do this, and he certainly does not need our verification, or he does not need us to legitimize him. All right. Uh, of all the people that I've spoken to in the, with regard to economics, uh, I think Ross is probably the only person who can explain it to me, and I can understand it, but more importantly, he could tell, tell me what to do if I've got a, a, an issue with, with money or, which we don't, <laughs> favorably, you know. Uh, but, 
Right. Yeah. Right. But, 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 you know, the majority of our audience, Ross, are, are people just trying to get by, just trying to survive in this minefield. So speak to them, but take it wherever you think we should take it tonight. Uh, Whatever is most important, kind of triage the landscape. Go ahead. Sure, sure. I mean, we gave the market overview, and, I, and I, many people are working, working for a living, and they're coming home and going to work, feeding their family, paying their bills, getting up and doing it again. It's like Groundhog Day. And if there's any light at the tunnel and you're thinking, well, here we have the election coming up and everybody's already pretty much puckered up over that. Our, our, our country is polarized. I call it balkanization, tribalization, and they break us down into so many different pieces that it's got to be ridiculous. It's not just Democrats and Republicans. It's not just blue and red. Now it's every iteration thereof. Are you straight or gay or black or white or Asian or this or atheist or Christian or Jew, it's like every hundred different slices of the the country. And so no one voice has any strength. So if we were together, we could stand against a lot of these things, but we're so splintered, I would call it balkanized, that no one voice can actually stand up, and so we're all just kind of slugging it out, king of the hill. So it's, it's pretty sad. And so in the middle of all of this nonsense and all of the background noise of Hillary and Trump and the president bad-mouthing somebody and Trump responding and Hillary responding and all of this smug-slinging all day long, lo and behold, being slipped through Congress starting this last month is a bill called the Save Up Act, and, it, and, it's, it, and it's, it's, it's like a safe, uh, affordable, uh, all these different platitude kind of words all made up into this this. This thing called save up, and you can look at it. I should have brought the, written all the words up, but it would have bored you. But essentially, what this is, this is a new Social Security tax, and it's been it's being sponsored by Representative Joe Crowley. If you have any folks out in New York that that's your rep, you need to call him and and tell him what the hell are you heck are you doing because this is not going to be good for me. And, and I think Joe, you mentioned it early on the opening of this segment, is that it's mandatory fifty cent per hour contribution by the employer. For every employee, for every hour they work into the save up uh, bucket, and this bucket, which normally you think when you're going to do a retirement account, will be portable and you can and you can do what with you want and use it for education, whatever. In this case, not so much. It is portable, so you can move from employer to employer, but you can never touch that money. This and it, so this fifty cents. So let's say you work for a company for three years and they put. $6,000 in there for you and work for another company and they put 6000 So you have twelve or fifteen or $18,000. Well, can I borrow against that or can I use that to pay my medical bills? Oh, no. You can't even roll that money over anywhere outside of this program. So it's another Social Security tax and what's even more bizarre is, is that they're going to auto-enroll all the people that make on the first year. You're automatically going to get hit with 3% contributions, quote, elective. I would call that uh, voluntold. Uh, elective defer- deferrals or elective contributions, and then three or four years later, you're going to be at five percent. So not only are you having to put your money in, and you never can touch it, goes into a black hole, and then your employer has to put at least fifty cents. And now I did the math. If you're a, an average person making minimum wage, which which stinks, and you're li- you're probably working two or three jobs like that, but many people are resorting to that these days. That seven po- that at seven twenty five seven fifty that fifty cents an hour comes out to six percent additional tax that that employer is going to have to pay or six percent of money coming out of their bucket. So I mean you can do the math if you you think if you're going to be able to afford another person, well maybe not so much anymore. So it's going to actually hurt the working man, the woman, because it's not they're going to get 
the employer is going to say, well, I don't really need to hire another person. I'll just make do with less. So that's going to hurt employment. And plus, people are going to not recognize that their paychecks are going to go down. So it ultimately, the actual net effect of spending is going to go down. And the most nefarious thing of all of this act, other than just being snuck through and nobody's there. I mean, I searched all over the net for the last two days, and I know what's coming on with you today. And, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, Ross, I, Ross, I'm sorry, I, let me just jump in here. Folks, This Ross is on top of this. This is why Ross is on tonight, because he's on top of these things. This came out, this was introduced as H.R. 5731 on the 12th day of July. That's almost a month ago now. And and by the way, the, the acronyms you were, or the acronym, the words you were looking for is Secure Accessible valuable efficient universal pension account yeah right save up uh, my butt but essentially and just to be clear this program would require any company with uh, more than 10 employees to um, to uh, make contributions of 50 cents for every hour the employee works into a retirement savings account and that as you said Ross mo- most importantly goes into a black hole go ahead sir Sure, sure. I mean, and, and thank you for that for that clarification because that's I was stumbling for those words, and I appreciate that. So, when you have this money, you're sitting there, and it's let's say a six percent tax on. Obviously, the percentage goes down as the more money you make, but just on average, the average average person going in making minimum wage, it's six percent. So you have all this money going in there, and the, the thing that's really also very irritating is the investment that's are going to be secure and. and and you don't have to worry about it. So they're investing in treasury. It's all debt-based type of investment. So you'll get two or three percent. And we've said on the, I think, on this show several other times, Joe and Doug, is that ultimately when people talk about getting their their retirements being seized, it's not going to be that that obvious. It's going to be more boil the frog because if they seize it outright, there'd be pitchforks and ARs in the streets and in rioting. So what they're going to do is just mandate. And they've already started doing it on money market accounts. That these, you, for your safety, your money needs to be needs to be invested in government treasuries, the safest thing ever ever de, 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 uh, contrived, which is again bovine organic fertilizer. So they're saying that, that we're going to invest in all this debt. So essentially, they're creating a parallel Social Security fund that so that would they would Social Security, which is broke are going to be bro- even more broken in, in 10 or 15 years, they're going to use this parallel system to say, well, now we're going to get, you're going to get your money from here. So everything that you paid in Social Security is probably going to be gone, and you're going to be stuck with this, this Save-Up Act. And there's one in the Senate, too, going on. It's called American Savings Act. And, but it's not nearly as draconian as the one in the House with Joe Crowley. It's, the one in Joe Crowley is very draconian, and it's, it's pretty much you're voluntold, you're going to do it. I know you can't save, so we're going to save it for you. But by the way, you're going to pay the bills to help Social Security. So essentially, this act is a bail-in of the American workers into uh, for Social Security. Now, some of the caveats are: oh, well, if you're a government entity or if you're if you're a union, you don't have you don't have to do this. So it's not going to be government workers or union workers. It's going to be everybody else in the private sector is going to have to <clears throat> suck it up and, and deal with this. So it's if anybody that's out there, if you have if you were from New York, please reach out to your representative Joe Crowley. If you're not there, please call your congressman and let him know that you oppose it. And it's currently in the Ways and Means Committee, so it, it hasn't made it very far. But I think we need to nip this in the bud and make sure they make adjustments so that it doesn't do what they intend to you 
uh, to do to you. So that that's just that's been really hot in my heart ever since I saw it, I saw it over the weekend. And again, nothing's even the Drudge hasn't covered. All the conservative talk shows aren't covering. All the conservative websites aren't covering this. So it just kind of no. like, the only thing place you see it is on is, is on uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Investopia, and it was all glorious and a few press releases from. From, con- from the congressmen themselves and go, oh, it's the panacea, we're going to save you, we're here to, we're from the government here to help you, and that's simply not the case. So you know, I, I just want to make I, I would, do their own I, I got to say, yeah, I got to say this, I would not have known about this had it not been for Canada Free Press, who actually was listening to uh, my good friend in uh, Western Buffalo, Tom Bowerly, talking about this mm-hmm. as a uh, so yeah, you know, isn't it amazing, Ross? That um, and that then when you contacted uh, Steve and, and you and Steve were talking, and then you had mentioned about this, it was like, my goodness, very few people know about this. This is kind of like the Obamacare slided in at midnight, or the Federal Reserve slided in at midnight, and let, let's hope no one, uh, no one, uh, uh, really pays attention. But we can, we can still stop this, is what you're saying. By by yelling, right, right. Street. I mean, you don't have to. You don't have to. You can't read it before you have to approve it before you can read it. I don't think it's going to be hopefully that bad because it's already actually been publicized. You can see it on Congress. Congress.gov. If you put in the fifty-seven thirty-one, you you can actually read it for yourself. Uh, it's written in such a way that you got to follow all these links to what, what all the references are. But it's it's not a good thing whatsoever. At least in its current state. Now, if you look at the Senate one, it's more like a, a, a private. It's more like a they're taking TSP, which is a thrift savings plan from the government, which is a good plan, <clears throat> even though it's all invested in Wall Street, but they're going to push it down, to push it across the populace. Now, recognize that both of these plans have the trustees and the board of directors are all appointed by the president and all of their cronies, so you, you know there's all going to be big bank people there. So you know that there's going to be pretty much cited to f- force your money into the chute, the cattle chute of Wall Street, and, but primarily they're talking about making it into treasuries and debt. So because nobody's buying our debt anymore, we're buying our own debt. Now you're having a retirement fund that's buying its own debt from its own people. And so it's like, it's, it's almost like a circular reference in Excel. How, how are you doing this? So when the Chinese and the Russians and all the other foreign countries are getting rid of the American debt and selling it at a, at a fast pace, they're putting it on the Americans' back. It's almost like buy war bonds without the patriot patriotism. So in in the real call to action that World War Two had with the war bonds. So there's they're just focusing this debt so they can tax and spend, tax and spend. Uh and it's not gonna end well, to say the least. No, not at all. Ross, if we can kinda of switch gears here, I have a, a question, uh something that we didn't plan on talking about, but maybe you could shed some light on it. Um Sure. When uh, looking at, at Paul Ryan, I, I saw that he his net worth uh, he he increased his worth by twelve million dollars in the last four years as a congressman. And I was looking at another congressman's uh, net worth, and they were showing that they were doing day trades, um, and right. Congress is today. exempt from insider trading laws. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, from your knowledge and experience. Is this how congressmen are are, are kind of um, used and, and able to be persuaded? Do they, I mean, make the bulk of their money off of the stock market? 
when they're in office. That that in that in tips and contra, you know tips and then meaning tips on, on stocks primarily, but also in other ventures. Like Hillary made a million dollars off of ten thousand dollars she invested in some cattle futures, which just doesn't happen. So back in the back in the '90s, so it, it's it's all about largesse and co-opting somebody. So everybody that gets into Washington may have good good ideas, but they're co-opted by the by the the natural greed of humans, the greed and and the potential to have power and all these things that are innately in our in our carnal selves. And if they can't withstand it, uh, or if they do withstand it, then they probably a one-term senator or one-term one-term congressman, because if they can't be co-opted, then they're, then they're pushed out. So I, I know the story you're talking about, that Representative Chu out of, I think it's out of uh, out of New York as well, right? And she yeah, went, yeah. went from not having a dime, can't up two nickels together, and suddenly her net worth is $3.2 million, and all of these really, I saw the trades she did, and all these really very complicated and very sophisticated trades to the tune yeah, of $15,000 each. Shorts yeah. and puts and calls and all this kind of stuff. Unless you're a very sophisticated uh, investor, you're not going to know how to do that and to go from without a pot to pee in to get there. And now she's got three point two million dollars. Tells you that something's something's wrong. And when you when you are exempt from insider training, somebody tells you, "Oh, if you do this for me, I'm going to give you this tip, and you'll make a hundred thousand dollars." So there's no Money exchanged in hands in a bribe or graft, but that tip that's that's exempt, and you suddenly make an extra hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or five hundred thousand for doing somebody a favor goes on all day. It's all part of the whole deep state mentality, and that which that scares the hell out of people is by Trump is because he's not part of that club and he doesn't need their money. So and, and I and I'm fairly ag- agnostic about the, the election simply because of my role, and so. But I can recognize the benefit of Trump and, and the evil of Hillary, so I, I can just call it like I see it. So I can see why they're scared, and even the president today comes out in the middle of Singapore in a state visit and starts bashing one of the candidates, which which is just really beyond the pale that a president was steeped to that. So, But that seems to be uh, uh, their the modus operandi. So they're, they're scared to death that this Trump's going to come in and, and, and clean house. But we'll, yeah, we'll see where it works. So, yeah, they are. And, so, and Obama's remarks today, uh, you know, back that up. Uh, just the fact that, and Infowars had a great story on this, you know, saying that if Trump wasn't making a difference, if Hillary wasn't trailing in the polls, Obama wouldn't have to come out in such desperation to decry Trump and to try to turn uh, Republican voters away from voting for Trump. So he obviously is making a difference, and they are concerned about that. Right, and I think the American people see through that. They're recognizing if it takes the president to start talking like this, there must be something to all of this. So they're kind of they're tired of the of the typical politician and all of their largesse and all of the graft and things that we're talking about, and they're tired of it. So we want somebody that's going to represent us. Will he go there and not be co-opted? We don't know. We go there and still be a liberal that he was in the past, potentially. But we know it's better that you know it, it, it's. I'm not the big believer in the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. I'm more like let's see what he can do, give him a shot, and and, and see if anything changes. Because if we continue to do like we're doing today, it's the it's the Einstein theory of insanity where you keep doing the same thing over and over again, think you're going to get a, a different result. And I know that's an old trite saying, but it but it still stands true. Why we continue to think that we're going to hire we're going to hire the same people to be our leaders? 
and expect something's going to be different when it never is. So again, that all goes back to the deep state and how it's all entrenched between the Pentagon and the and the the, the defense contractors and the bankers and the Wall Street people and the, all the politicos and all of their and and all of their lobbyists. It's, it's a great big revolving door. So they have this little sneaker net. So I'm not surprised that Ms. Chu can actually make that kind of money. If you know the right people, things get done. It happens on Wall Street all the time. I mean, they sent, uh, what was her name, the lady that, uh, I'm trying to, I'm having a senior moment here, the lady that went to prison that used to be the homemade, what is her name? Martha uh, Stewart. Martha Stewart. She did hardly anything, and she got sent to the big house. That happens all the time on Wall Street and in the banks and things like that. And nothing ever happens to them. Think of all of the people that got fleeced in 2008 and not a single banker went to jail. And, exactly. and you're just now seeing some, seeing some underlings in England get popped for the, for the, for the, uh, the uh, LIBOR scandal. But there's none of the big hitters got it. These people took one for the team. They'll get taken care of the rest of their life after they get out of the big house in England. But it's a, those folks it's a, never get touched. Ross, it's a big club, as, as George Carlin says, and we ain't in it. Folks, we're talking with Ross Powell, survival401k.com. Yep, We're going to be right here. back after these short messages. Just hang right in there. We got World right, Affairs, well. WikiLeaks, and maybe The Verge of War with Ross Powell right after this. talking with Ross Powell. Ross Powell, Survival 401k. The guy who knows where the gold is buried. Well, not really. The bodies are buried in the banking industry. Talking about the Save-Up Act. Yes, never heard of it. Didn't think so. H.R. 5731 introduced back on July 12, 2016. But folks, it's important for you to go to survival401k.com. You've got questions about what to do with what little money you have or what big money you have or what money you have, Ross Powell's a guy to talk to. That's where we turn when we have questions. What's going on with uh, with the economy? What's going on with war? What's going on in world affairs? And that's, that's what we're going to do 401k. in this uh, segment number two of our two with Ross Powell of Survival 401k. Ross, where do you want to go from here? Um, we can get into the world affairs, the... Um, uh, Rumors of war and wars. We can get into WikiLeaks, or we can talk about Wisconsin and the importance of the upcoming election that is not the presidential election, um, but the uh, congressional election. Yeah. yeah. Paul Ryan, my favorite Paul. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to talk about world affairs because that's what's going to impact the listeners the, really the most. I mean, I think. Paul Ryan is impacting all of us in a, in a negative way, and I'm really pulling for the other Paul in Paul uh, Paul Neum and, and Neelan, and it's his, his, that's his his opponent, and is actually just taking it to him and and, and actually shredding him. I'm really I'm actually sending money myself to him, and I hope your readers will as well. But we'll get it, the listeners will as well. But I want to get into the world affairs because this is really close 
to something really bad that's going to affect your economy and your economics and your overall your life and whether you are glowing in the dark or not uh, in the next few weeks. So think about anybody that's watching TV or listening to the news or even 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 network news. You're, you're, you will hear the saber rattling with the Chinese and the Russians. And the Russia, you know, we've been pushing the, the, the Chinese ever since. We talked about it all the way through 2015 and early 2016 this year on this show with you, Doug and Joe, and, and with Steve. And when the when the Chinese were, you know, I guess, were, were pushed themselves into the SDR basket and got themselves legitimized, the Americans and the Europeans have been fighting them tooth and nail all along because it, it changes the homogeny of the American American dollar and 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 pushes against the petrodollar and overall reserve currency. And the Chinese have been pushing for a new reserve currency for for decades. And the other tired of the Americans being an ass, we may to say it any other way, but we've always been bullies in the world market, world stage, and most people are tired of it. So having said that, now we're, we're getting and you have the South China Sea, which has been historically the sphere of influence of the Chinese. And the Filipinos being puppets of the Americans, uh, Took it to the to the Hague, the World Court, the Hague, and then uh, Brussels, and all of the, to fight this thing, saying, "Well, that's really our property, not yours." And historically, it's been the Chinese. It's just been the way it's been. Gross tonnage, kind of law of gross tonnage we had in the Navy. Big ships run over little ships. So now the Hague says, "No, China, nanny, 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 it's not yours anymore. It's the Philippines." And I was like, "Uh." We don't recognize that. We don't recognize the Hague. We know this is all sophistry. We know this is all just complete, just not unrealistic. So Americans have been pushing, pushing their buttons like we're sticking our fingers in the Russians' eyes and saying we're going to push through there. We're gonna, this is our sphere of influence now. We're going to expand in, the, in Asia just to, just to mess with them. But unfortunately for the Americans and, and our military, and I was in Navy. I was in the Navy for 11 years. I was a seagoing guy. I was a missiles officer and a tel- intel guy and, and stuff. And I did tours in the Mediterranean and the Persian Gulf. I know what it is to be underway and at sea with an enemy. Those days it was Russia. So I know what it is to be under Hayes Gray and underway, and I recognize what the Chinese have now. They have missiles that we can't stop. The Russians have subs. There's no that we can. There's no way we can stop. They have They'll have nuke missiles that will actually be able to penetrate all of our stuff without us ever being able to stop it. We've seen their subs off both shores, and I can tell you now, I'm dead certain from from friends of mine in the Navy still that they are offshore all the time, and they're and they're boomers. What boomers are the Navy term for uh, IUCBMs or, or missiles, nuclear tip missiles. That can just devastate our cities. Murbs, um, multiple reentry vehicles, ten, wep- two, ten weapons on each on each missile can destroy us. One EMP at 300 miles will, in the air will will take us out and put us in the Stone Age. So we're doing all these things to to, to really irritate and push our enemies, or could be friends, but are now our enemies because of our solid push to be American. Imagine about. We are we are the king of the world, when in fact we're not. We're a paper tiger, and we're pushing all these buttons. And soon, you may see a, a cruiser or a destroyer or aircraft carrier, for that matter, at the bottom of the Philippine Sea or the South China Sea. And everybody's wondering, oh my God, how did that happen? How did they get through us? We're the strongest people in the world. Well, sorry, buddy, you just got punched in the mouth. 
or got a bloody nose because you thought you were all that, but you're not. And so you're, you're, you're because we've got the, the Obama administration has gutted our military, lowered its morale, pushed all the political correctness to the nth degree. And I'm not going to go into all the different pieces of that. I know, Joe, you and Doug are familiar with what those different pieces are, and your audience, I'm sure, does as well. So, but we're, we're doing that on the naval side in the South China Sea. That's where our projection of power is. Yet at the same time, we're surrounding the Russians on all their sides on Western Europe into Eastern Europe and pushing up against their buffer. Again, their sphere of influence. And we're poking their eye. We're doing things in the Ukraine and talking about Crimea and all of this stuff. And so we're pushing the Russians towards war. And they're, all, they're, they're preparing for it. They know what's coming. And they know we're not going to stop. So the way it's going to stop is they're going to, there could be a first strike from the Russians. There could be some tactical nukes go off in Eastern Europe. So once it starts, once one goes off, the chance of any of it stopping that is almost impossible to the point where you and I are looking at, looking at the devastation around us if we're, not, if we're not vaporized, looking around at the devastations. How did this all happen? When it's a group of people, whether you want to call it bankers or money interest or somebody has got this power driving us towards this this end and your listeners need to get themselves prepared and they need to recognize that this is not child's play this is not some fear porn what people would call it this is not fear porn this is the real world i've seen it i've been there i've seen what people are doing and i know that we, we chances are we are going to win this thing and if we and, if, and it's getting a bloody nose militarily isn't fun Losing an appendage or a leg, or many listeners are veterans, they know what that's like. But if you do it on a global scale or a countrywide scale, you're never going to recover from that. So I would tell your listeners that they need to be prepared for war and just look at the, just read the handwriting on the wall to see, let's get prepared, let's recognize what's coming along with the economics to where this, this, this world is unraveling at such a quick pace. And it, I don't know what you or Doug, please opine on this. If it doesn't seem like the world is spinning out of control faster and faster and faster every day, uh, please correct me because it just seems like it's just like the toilet bowl is just floating quicker and quicker. I mean, does it seem like that to you guys? Oh, yeah. Does it seem like we're yeah. just escalating? It, it, it does. I mean, the headlines reflect it. You know, you, you had, uh, uh, pre, pre show, you had talked about the European terrorism and, and everything that goes along with that. We've got the t- tenuous situations and the, of course, uh, just spoken about this in the South China Sea and how we are toe to toe with the Russians, you know, in Syria, basically, um, essentially, I guess, uh, would be, but, but, but how, you know, how do we as a people prepare for war? I mean, what do we do? With, with economically, how do we make preparations? Because you're, you'd be on. I'm going to have you on speed dial, okay? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Well, but, we don't get busy, right? Y- yeah, right, right. So, what do we do? I mean, well, I mean, I, I think there's there's a couple things. I mean, number one, make yourself right with your maker. I think that's number one. I think that without that, you're not going anywhere. But but number two is make sure that you have plenty of food for you and your family and then add maybe 10% for your neighbors that don't listen to these kind of shows and aren't awake. But make sure you have plenty of food and water, have protection in your homes, uh, make sure that you have precious metals. And, and, and one thing, and I've talked with Steve about this recently, is 
Make sure that you, you're the first. If, you're, if there's going to be a panic, make sure that you're the first one to panic and beat all the others. So soon enough, in the in the near future, precious metals are going to be hard to get. And you're seeing as the price continues to go up, the, the availability goes down. And so you have to make sure that you have those in place prior to any panic happening. Because once it is, your chance of getting any are slim and none. So if you're going to if you're on the cusp of buying precious metals, you need to get on on deck and get it done. But get your get make sure you have food. It doesn't need to be absorbable foods. It doesn't have to, even if it's just a few can of beans. Every time you go back to the store to get a loaf of bread and some milk and get your daily ration, if you if that's how you shop or your weekly shop, add a few extra cans and just start to to build your pantry so that you have extra. Because if you can't, you can have plenty of gold and silver. But if you can't, you can't eat it. You can't drink it. Make sure that you have all of these things. Protection. Learn how to make a, get a, have a garden. I mean, and I've the department said this, the same things on every show, but they all are very true. That you have to be assume that you are your 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 own island. Hopefully, you have neighbors that you can rely on. But just make sure that you have all these extra things in place so that you don't have to panic when everybody else is panicking. You can sit back and and step back and let the carnage happen outside your door. You don't have to go and jump into the fray to try to to swing away to get that loaf of bread with others that are rioting to get it. So just make sure that you're prudent. Go okay, ahead. and I, I, th- I think I, I think our audience kind of really understands that. But with the um, with money, you know, if if a person is not, for example, if if you're from a blue collar family or a family that we're so used to saving, putting money in the bank, getting interest, which is non-existent, or having a 401k right, or, or whatever. Right. So, so well, I guess what do we do with that to survive? Not to survive, but to, to well to make it to the other side of what is coming. What do you recommend economically? Um, well, right. I mean, if you if you if all if all of your retirement funds are all equities based and are, and are at the whims of again, if something happens in the South China Sea or if the Russians. The market's going to automatically tank. That's just the natural order of things. People try to get into cash and get out of their equities and have liquidity. So my suggestion is you get out of your your equity positions on Wall Street and put it into hard assets, whether it's precious metals or land or food or weapons or supplies, those kind of things. Just make sure that you can touch it. And as Steve said for years, and Doug, you've said it, if you can't hold it, you don't own it, right? If you can't touch it, it's not real. So move your money out of equities and, I'm, and I talk to customers all day long. Well, I have all my money in the market, but it's in a it's in a, a money market account. Well, you're getting 30 basis points a year on that. What's the point of that? You're losing money. Take it and move it into something that you can use in the event of a catastrophe. Put it in things that you can buy with, things that you can grow your own vegetables, things that you can hunt on, things that you actually can touch and leave to, a legacy to your family, not just something my stock portfolio was a million dollars, but now I'm bequeathing you $100,000 because it, it tanked. Put in things that are going to be a legacy for your family long term, and whether you have ten thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, or ten million dollars, everybody's everybody's money is is important to them. So, at the, at the end of the day, put your put your money into hard assets because it's always going to be there. It's almost like an Abrahamic type of thing. I call it the Exodus strategy, where you know you're you're going to leave your captivity, get out of the matrix, and into freedom of the promised land of milk and honey, but that doesn't include necessarily equities and ETFs and all of this fiat stuff that can go the way in a moment could just disappear. So put your, and again, I hope this answers your question, Doug, is that put your money in hard assets, and I think precious metals are there, land is there, 
and they'll let me know that they want to call me and talk to about it. I'll be glad to help them and give them ideas. Uh, but at, but at the end of the day, I mean, you have to prepare one, and as God pushes you to prepare and God puts it on your heart to do that, is the most important. Yeah, and thanks for answering that because well, invariably we'll get a call saying, "Well, you know what? I've got I've got so much money in my IRA, you know." And and ultimately, my thought is, I wouldn't have any money anywhere if I can't, you know, physically hold it. I don't want numbers on a piece of paper. I, I want coinage in my piggy bank, I guess, or right. as you, you said, the hard assets. Yeah, tangible. okay, or tangible, something you can really feel. That's that's something you know, I work for this, so there's something I can really see. So right. whether it's okay. a rental property or it could be a litany of things. So I'm right there with you. That's Got how it. I'm set up. Right. Good, good. Okay. So, so folks, the, that, that's the advice of uh, leading economist, in my view, Ross Powell, uh, Survival 401k is his website, Ross Powell Survival 401k. You know, he, he, talking with him, uh, getting financial advice, which is this is not i mean uh, uh, disclaimers everywhere um but right. the fact of the matter is let's be sensible about this and and let's survive because we know we're we're hitting hard times or we're going to be hitting some speed bumps here so we need to really be smart go ahead sir right right i mean so at, at the end of the day it's it's all about where you want to be at the end of the day and, and if you if you're a believer in the market well that's great you can stay in the market uh, but I would also hedge your bet and put some things in, in some metals and other things in some land, things we talked about. Now, I'm not saying you have to get completely out of the market, but I, I personally am not a fan of it. I know a lot of traders that have gotten out of it because they've seen the manipulation, they've seen the graft, they've seen the, the corruption, and they know what goes on, and they get out. They walk away. I mean, they're, and I know a couple of people I could tell you about that left specifically because of their, their faith drove them out of that business because they could not sleep at night and they could not reconcile their job with their faith so they left took a financial hardship out of it too and, and so there are folks that walk the path of righteousness even though it's a sacrifice but it you need to get to where you think god wants you to be and i don't know if that's off limits to talk about i don't think it's off limits to talk about god on your show but Absolutely i think not, people need to people need to get right with their maker get right with jesus and say look this is where where do you want me to be where does you want me to put my money and it may be to help a neighbor out. It may be help to buy some property somewhere. I mean, I talk to people all day long, and God, he goes, God just made me call you. It just burned out on my heart that I needed to call you to talk about these things. And many times it's just what I do is pastoral counseling almost. It's just here's, here's your plan, work your plan, and, and carry on. So it, it's, it's, not that, it's not that I have every answer to every question, but God's going to lead you in the direction that you need to go. And if you trust him to do that, you're going to be better off on the other side. And it may be painful getting there. And I know people that said, I've trusted God to do this, and it hurts. Uh, but when they finally get to the other side, they go, this is the best decision I ever made. So just trust where you where you God is going to take you. And he'll prepare you. And he's waking up his remnant. I, I, the people I've talked to, it's really encouraging that God's waking up his remnant. He's mustering his remnant of people to say, we're not going to take this any longer. We're going to move into a, more of a righteous lifestyle and move into more of a the kingdom type vision more so than an earthly vision. And so we can, if that's what you're feeling tonight, if that's what you felt for weeks and haven't done anything about it, call me. I'll be glad to help you walk through that. I can help you discern what you're trying to go to. I can help you maybe unravel some of the thought that you've had. 
because I've been there, done that, and I know lots of people that have been there and done that that I could turn you on to to help you even further beyond my own my own capabilities. So I want to encourage your your listenership to say, don't feel like you're a stranger in a strange land. You're not. Uh, there's lots of people just like you, and please reach out to me, and I can put you in connection with those folks because there's lots of people out there that are feeling the same way that you are. Yeah, and I know uh, you talked with Chance of American Survival Wholesale today, and he mentioned to us that, that you were able to, to help, uh, uh, I believe it was a lady um, who was in need, and, and you were able to offer her help, which was uh, uh, she was very thankful for. So, folks, again, Survival 401K, if you want advice from Ross Powell, um, and he will help you out and, and even set you up with something if you if you want to take those steps. we got about... Uh, Eight minutes left before the end of this segment. Eight to ten minutes left, uh, Mr. Powell. Where do you want to go from here? Let's let's talk about let's talk about the race in Wisconsin because I think it's really important for for this for your listenership as well as the country in general. And you have okay. a gentleman by the name of Paul Ryan that we're all familiar with. He's the uh, golden boy of the globalists who was forced upon the House of Representatives after the conservatives pushed out John Bonner and. Uh, and we got to be, it's better that in this case, it's better the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And, and Paul Ryan gave Obama every, everything he wanted in, a, in that one, $1.2 trillion bill he passed last year. He couldn't have been, if, if his name was Pelosi or Reed, he couldn't have done a better job. So Paul Ryan is a big proponent of TPP. He's a big proponent of globalization and pushing our jobs overseas. Uh, but his amnesty. opponent, yeah. amnesty, uh, bringing lots of unvetted uh, Syrians over here and, and, and thinking that you're a racist or, or a xenophobe if you don't believe in just bringing everybody over un, unnecessarily. And uh, he's, he's betrayed the conservatives, and so he's, he's done a lot of things that most of us think, but we put you in power, a lot of conservatives put you in power, wanting you to do these things, and you've done just the opposite. And he smirks and basically gloats about, well, you can't touch me. Well, now they have a guy that is, if this, his name is Paul, I'm going to make sure I pronounce his right, Neelan, and he's a former Marine, and, and he's been a inventor, and he's got five patents himself. I'm sending money myself. He's, this guy is the real deal that believes in conservative values, and I know you have a lot of Wisconsin listeners because I have a lot of Wisconsin customers that have that actually said they've heard me on your show and with Steve. So those folks of you that are in, in Wisconsin, Talk to your friends. If you're not in that district, do something about it. Send him some money because he's he's a he's the real deal, and he's the the the, the folks in the mainstream media are they're trying to bash him, but he doesn't care. He took he took it to Paul Ryan's house and said, "You have a wall around your house. Why don't you give a wall around America?" I mean, he just he, he just takes it to him, and he's not he takes the gloves off, and he's really an inspiration, even more so than Trump. Whereas he's like, I'm. He's done a lot of things, and not to say that Trump hasn't, but this guy's a grassroots, run companies, hired people, but also has his own patents and a very smart guy. So I'd like for him to for, him, for them to vote for him and folks to get involved with him because he can wipe that 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 global golden boy smirk off of Ryan's face and make sure that he gets primaried, and so that will change the course of history in America in a very big way. If Ryan gets back in and Hillary gets in, they're going to work in, co- in, con- in concert to bring the global masters on top of us beyond every, which anybody's their biggest imagination. And I know that, sound, again, sounds like fear porn, 
or doom porn, but it isn't. It's the truth. Most of you can feel it in your spirit. Your friends feel it. You know something bad is coming. So we need to stand up as a, as a family and say, no more. So support your friends in Wisconsin. If you have dollars to give, give dollars to his campaign and, and make a difference for America because you never think about one congressional district somewhere in, in Wisconsin will make a difference around the whole world, but it definitely will. So the most important race, uh, which is a local race, but it's not really a, nat- a national race. So, and, uh, Yeah, we've seen this, uh, you know, since the, the nomination of Trump uh, as the Republican uh, nominee, nominee for president, uh, people like Ted Cruz and, and Paul Ryan, who would not come out and endorse Trump or get behind him, that caused more division, who align with the globalist policies of the Obama agenda. We see these grassroots campaigns popping up to to push these uh, people out. And um, Mr. Powell, what's your assessment on globalization five years ago versus today? Where five years ago, if you talked about a new world order and the globalization of, of currencies and religions and uh, politics, you were a conspiracy theorist. Where today, it's their openly stated agenda. Or do you even have the Pope saying that that Islam is not a is, is not a violent is not mm-hmm. a, a violent religion? Right after one of his priests were, had his head cut off, so it, it's 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 almost surreal. I mean, actually, it is surreal. So five years ago, when I, mean, I grew up in the eighties, I mean, it was in the Navy in the eighties and early nineties, and I, I remember uh, Bush Senior talking about bringing the new world order in. So that's been around a very long time. But even when you had W in there, and then you had Clinton and then W, you could see it slowly working together. But it had, it's accelerated exponentially since Obama was has become president, and under Hillary, it's going to be even quicker and, and, and even more compressed. So to think where we are today, and the Chinese being part of the SDR, and and the intertwining in the Brexit, because we haven't even talked about the Brexit, that's that's essentially the, the, the English giving the Hawaiian good luck sign to the to the globalists. And saying, we're no, hell no, we're not going to take it any longer, not going to be part of that. So, which everybody was so, their, their hubris was beyond the pale, thinking that the, that the Remain folks were going to win, that when it came out the other way, that they were, that they just couldn't believe the world's going to collapse, and suddenly everybody said, well, the Americans, Obama, for instance, specifically said, well, if you vote to get out, you're going to be at the end of the line for trade deals. As soon as the Brexit vote came through, and the reality is, oh, you lose, he goes back, oh, no, they're our greatest friends. They're going to be back at the front of the line. So the fear-mongering to get that done was was phenomenal, but people just, just called BS on that. And I think that's why Trump is very popular. He's trying to put a stop to the New World Order, the globalization, bring jobs back. And people are calling BS on the establishment now, and that's why Trump's doing so well. And I think that's why this this guy, Paul, the Paul Neilman in, uh, in Wisconsin is going to do well. It's simply because people are just tired of the same old, same old. I mean, I guess that's how I would leave it with you guys. Let's just move ahead and leave all of this baggage behind and start anew. I think that's the real key. But to answer your question, the New World Order is going to accelerate and compress, uh, and wars are going to be started by Hillary. The Russians are going to get really irritated. They're, they're going to push this to the very edge of nuclear extinction uh, if she's elected. I, I just feel it in my spirit that this is not going to end well. 
Do you think the globalists will let, and this is, I mean, we've got less than a minute or about a minute, but, I mean, can you see the globalists, the people in power letting or somehow losing control and um, having Trump in office? I think they, they, if if they, because some people say he's even said the the election's rigged, and if he gets Mm -hmm. killed in a landslide, well, that that so be it. But if it comes close, and I personally think it could come down to the Supreme Court again, like it did in in 2000 with Bush and and Gore, I think it it could be the same type of thing. Unfortunately, with the Supreme Court is split four and four, so where do you go with that? I mean, we could be hung. Hung jury, so to speak, for a very long time. You just don't know where that's going to go. Interesting time, right? So I- interesting convergence right. of events. Ross, absolutely. We're yeah. out of time, but I, I just want to mention to everyone out there: Survival Four Hundred One K is Ross Powell's website. Ross, will you you will come back sometime and and give us more updates, right? Absolutely. And if I have just thirty seconds, I wanted to say one thing because people talk about preparation, and we've talked about it throughout the show. But I want them to, everybody to look at a book called Be Thou Prepared. Look it up on Amazon. It's written by a guy that's just saying for Christians, it's not against, it's not anti-Christianity or not, it's not unfaithful to believing being prepared. So have them take a look at that because it's, it's important for us to get ready and it's not against your faith to do so. Be Thou Prepared. Thank you, Ross Powell from Survival 401k. We'll be right back with Stan Dale up next. God bless you, brother. Talk soon. No, it's not Wolf Blitzer doing the uh, dance to Sweet Caroline at the Democratic National Convention. No, it's not. But oh, that was fun to watch, wasn't it? <laughs> Wolf Blitzer and Gloria Borger. The globalists in the media identifying themselves and identifying with a globalist victory. Is it not Hillary Clinton? But, you know, enough of, uh, en- enough of that, I guess. We have this segment... This hour, Standale, Standale.com. What, what a great guy. What an interesting man. His, uh, Holly's book, Holly's new book. That's out. What a great book that is. Folks, go to Standale.com for the books, the lectures of Standale. I love it. Joe. We have Stan with us. Yeah. Stan from Standale.com. Folks, visit his website. Standeo.com. Uh, once you get there, you can check out Holly's new book, Prophetic Perils. That's right there on the front of the screen. If you scroll down a little bit on the right-hand side, there's a microphone. To the right of the microphone is the show images page, where Stan puts up graphics of, of different t- uh, topics and subjects that, that we talk about. Stan, welcome back to the Hagman and Hagman Report. And there was 30 seconds of silence as they waited for his mic to turn on. Oh, oh hi, guys. <laughs> How's it going, Stan? <laughs> we we love keeping you in the dark, brother. Oh yeah, no, you, I wasn't in the dark. I was just teasing folks. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, no, I'm fine here. We're uh, pressing along here. I'll tell you this: this last week has been a pain in the backside. Uh, our peaches are coming ripe out in the orchard, and we uh, we have never gotten these big nets, you know, like the twenty 
25 feet by 50 foot nets and put them up. We used smaller ones that we got at Lowe's and stuff and clothespin them together. Every night, the little devils, the little finches and a hummingbird and uh, oh, some sparrows find ways to get in between the joins of those nets. And we'll have about five or six of them there in the early morning eating away at my peaches. <laughs> so we open them up and we chase them around with a stick until they get out of there. And then we pin it all back up and hope that there will be enough left at the end for us to eat. And we harvested one tree yesterday, which, uh, you know, uh, I think we got about a bushel out of that after everything was thrown away that was damaged. But uh, it's it's a constant struggle between, you know, grasshoppers and birds and worms and squash bugs. This has been the worst year we have seen since, gosh, 2001. It's, what, 15 years. This is the worst one we've seen. And it's just atypical weather, so... I guess we're doing okay, but I'm frustrated, you know. I mean, we got to have enough to at least make, you know, canned peaches and stuff and some peach cobbler. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Peach cobbler. Got to have that. Well, I'll tell you, we have a family in town uh, from Wisconsin, and they brought some peaches that they got from Georgia. And, man, are these things delicious. <laughs> they're actually a peach that good in, in a long time. Stan, they're, 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 and, and ladies and gentlemen, they're Mackinac peaches, which are only ripe for two weeks of the year. No, I'm kidding. That was from a Seinfeld episode. There are no such <laughs> things as those. But, yeah, your peaches, legendary, I hear. So, cool. And, folks, uh, Stan, we're going to be taking calls with Stan yeah, in the well, second half of, of this hour. In the second half of this hour, the phone number is 844-769-2944. That's 844-769-2944. Um, questions, keep them quick and uh, try to keep them on point. But Stan, what do you want to get into tonight? What do you want to talk about? Oh, I guess a number of things. Um one of the things that's been kind of interesting uh, is I've been getting emails from people over the weekend about the Mariana Trench uh, earthquake. It was a 7.7. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they drew references to what other people, I, you know, other guests on other shows have said that uh, wasn't it odd that uh, the Mariana Trench 7.7 .7 occurred in an, almost the same time over in Yellowstone, the seismometers went off there. And so I investigated and uh, I looked for other earthquakes around the uh, Yellowstone area that might have triggered just coincidentally at the same time. There were none. And there were no, you know, uh, big quakes uh, other than this, uh, you know, somewhere from out there in the, in the uh, west. There was this big event that all the seismometers recorded. Now, the reason I find that interesting is this. There are seismometers all over the United States. And there are certain kinds in Yellowstone Park. Now, they have put in uh, seismometers, I'm pretty sure from what I saw, that will record horizontal shear waves and sinusoidal, like, primary and secondary waves, waves that go down to the core and reflect back. Normal earthquake stuff. But when I calculated the velocity that that shock wave from the Mariana Trench quake would have had to have had, you know, to get over to uh, that quickly to Yellowstone, it was really in excess of uh, 8,000 miles per hour. So I started digging in, and I found that in addition to the S and P waves, secondary primary waves that they talk about on, you know, most uh, seismic uh, uh, recorders, that there is a third kind of wave. And I get this, it's called a 
love wave, L-O-V-E. Now, this wave travels the, like horizontal shock instead of like a normal sinusoidal thing. It's quick. It can be up to 13,500 miles per hour. Now, the secondary waves, reflected waves, go at about 7,700 miles per hour. And the primary waves travel at 18,000 miles per hour. So somewhere between a P wave and an L wave, or a love wave, uh, the waves from the Mariana Trench thing went all the way across the United States, or across the Pacific to the United States, into the recorders at Yellowstone. But I didn't see them recorded on other seismometers along the West Coast and, you know, inland from there. So it means to me that the seismometers they've got in place at Yellowstone are extremely sensitive. They must be a really high-class set of seismometers to detect very subtle variations in uh, the surrounding you know, uh, land and other fault lines. And in fact, in fact, if you go to my show images page today, uh, you'll see uh, kind of the first row, first picture. Is, click here for all Yellowstone images. And that shows you kind of a little icon, an overview of the different seismometers. There's about 29 of them that they report to the public anyway uh, over the Yellowstone area. And this is, you know, a 24-hour period, and you can click on uh, uh, this blue thing. It'll take you over to some of the images I've pulled down uh, in the last day or so from Yellowstone. Um, the reason that this is interesting is that uh, I, I compare this current event from um, the Mariana Trench or Mariana Islands, a 7.7, I compared that to what happened in Sumatra when they had the 9.0, you know, killed a quarter million people or more. And I looked at to see if those waves were as strong as the ones that came across from, you know, the Mariana Islands. So if you click on that image, it'll take you over to the Yellowstone images to August 16th, top row. Uh, first thing it says, Yellowstone seismometers public. And if you look at that, you'll see a bunch of little black squiggly lines drawn over the topography of the Yellowstone National Park and around it with some little squares and circles with dots showing where the seismometers are located. And where you can read it, it tells the name, uh, except for the ones down in Wyoming, the, the uh, Flag Ranch uh, and the... Uh, well, I forget the other one, but it, it's down there, out of the park, but it's really, in my opinion, kind of connected to the park earthquakes and the seismic activity. Now, anyway, look at that map, and you can go to a link that uh, you can find yourself at uh, isthisthingon.com. You run those words together, is this thing on, and you'll get to where that blue uh, map was uh, on the show images page, you know, the uh, white and blue squares, and you'll see the same thing if you go to that place. I just put that up there as a, a nice picture to get over to the pictures I took off of that site. Now, <clears throat> looking at the top row of Yellowstone images, you'll see something that says USA Seismic Waves from Sumatra 2004, where you had an M9.0. And if you click on that, you will see uh, another map being generated across the whole United States, and at the bottom of it, there's a little vertical line traversing over what looks like a heartbeat, but it's really a seismometer uh, trace, and you'll see about the middle of it where there's a big peak, and that's where the Richter 9 hit over in uh, Sumatra, northern Sumatra, and when you do, you'll see the wave of... Uh, vertical and you know, up and down motions, the red and blue motions across the United States. 
Now, they only had a certain number of seismometers in the IRIS network. That's the uh, IRIS, I-R-I-S dot E-D-U stroke spud network. I put a link to the uh, recording, which I pulled off for you, so you don't have to dig through all that stuff. But what this does is it shows you how the earthquake moves the ground up and down and what intensity, you know, what up and down motion um, occurs after the quake has occurred over in Sumatra. Now, if you just hit the back button and go back to the top row of Yellowstone images to August, you'll see U.S. seismic waves from the Mariana Islands. Now, this is, what, about three days ago. This is what happened what everybody was getting excited about. You watch the trace going across here, again, red and blue, or intensity, and you can see them sweeping across the United States, and that's just in the first few seconds, and then the big kahuna hits, and you'll see large, wide, fast-moving waves going across the United States, and coincidentally, hitting uh, Yellowstone as well. And uh, it's worth a watch because it's 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 animated. It's live, showing you second by well, even microsecond by microsecond. There, uh, they they measure it in three in uh, microseconds, and they show you little uh, bandwidths. There, it shows 362 micro. Uh, you know, anyway, uh, that that's what we were looking at there. That shows you how a wave like that can come from the Mariana Trench or from Sumatra even further away and reach over to the United States to Yellowstone. Now, as I said, I didn't see reports of this in uh, in other traces of seismometers. Maybe I missed the ones that had it, but I, I didn't see that. Now, if you go down into the next um, two rows, uh, I show six seismographs from the 22nd of July to the uh, 30th of July from Flag Ranch in Wyoming. It's one of the ones that didn't have a name on it in that map I showed you because it's in Wyoming and outside Yellowstone. But the, if you click on these, it'll, the, the pictures, it'll take you to that one particular seismometer so you can see how it's had seismic reactions to something uh, from the 22nd of July all the way through to the 30th. And uh, one of them says uh, 219. It's actually 29. I made a mistake there. But anyway, Flag Ranch 30 shows a little bit of trauma, but not much. But if you go to the Flag Ranch 219, which is actually Flag Ranch 29, if you click on that, you'll see the effect of the Mariana Trench earthquake. It's just a solid, solid, you know, trace. It happened so quick, it just really rattled the bell. Now, the reason this is interesting is because this is Flag Ranch, Wyoming, that one seismometer. The other seismometers, which, you know, got hit, uh, the three of the other 29, or the 28 that got hit are down at the bottom row, and you'll see that they have similar traces to that. But the rest of the seismometers are weak traces, even though they do record some kind of a hit. The other, like, 24 seismometers are weak traces. So why is it that the Moose Creek, Mary Lake, Hebgen, and Flag Ranch in Wyoming, why is it these... Um, Record much more sensitively and much longer an earthquake on the other side of the planet. Now, to me, that indicates that something in that layout uh, is underneath the earth. There is, is um, like hydrodynamically, like fluid mechanics related to either the Pacific Ocean or to, you know, the mantle that reaches all the way across to, uh, to the Mariana Trench at this time, or Mariana Island because something is really passing shock waves straight to those four uh, seismometers uh, 
so quickly and so strongly that they stand out. They are directly linked. So I think that for future reference, what we should be doing is keeping an eye on Moose Creek, Mary Lake, Hebgen, and Flag Ranch in Wyoming, those seismometers, those four of them. And they will be most sensitive to far-off earthquake events, you know, uh, rapidly. Um, do, 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 do you guys see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, anyway, um, that was the, uh, the the major point of that research. And I, you know, I've been dig- digging into that for quite a while to answer a number of your listeners and others that have been alerting me to this anomaly. And yeah, about the only anomalous thing... About this. There's been a lot of questions that I, I mean that we've just gotten personally that I haven't even passed along. I can't imagine the amount of questions you've gotten about this, and they've been uh, for a few months now. Uh, about, uh, about Yellowstone, or yes, Yellowstone. Different anomalies at Yellowstone. Yeah, well, I, I think it bears watching, but I don't know that it's quite that anomalous that the seismic event on the west side of the Pacific shows up so quickly there. As I said, I tracked down the speed that these shockwaves travel, and there might be a slight time difference between the actual earthquake and the registration of it over on all the seismometers at Yellowstone that we see publicly. Although there might be a time lag, it's a very short time lag, lag indicating that there was around 9,000 to 10,000 mile an hour shockwave that left the Mariana Islands from that quake and headed straight over, well, all around it, but it did hit um, Yellowstone within a few seconds. So it's not that anomalous. As I say, I went back to 2004 and looked at the Sumatran earthquake to see how it traveled and what it did, and uh, even though they had less sensors, you could still see the pattern forming. Good stuff. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Have you guys been keeping up with the election? The, uh, yeah. Why? Circus. Why? What, what election? <laughs> Is there an election this year? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's about the question. Yeah, who knew? Oh, gosh. It, uh, it's a terrible thing, this election. I, I've been watching news reports coming out of, um, various countries. Um, there was one, let me just see here. I'll just pull it up on my thing here that I got from a, uh, let's see here. Najib Camp, let's see what news service was that. Yeah, from Malaysia Chronicle. They, they've been tracking, um, representatives of the Saudi, the Saudi Arabian government, the Saud family, uh, coming over to visit the United States. And apparently they've got a $500 million slush fund for, well, let's say political, uh, uh, PAC type uh, support. Now they met with, uh, Obama, actually Prince Salman did that, and with um, uh, Hillary, but they don't know whether he's going to offer the same deal to Trump in exchange for something or other, but their their effort is to buy off whoever the next president of the United States is with a $500 million PAC underwriting for the election. And I just find that, you're not going to find that in U.S. newspapers, but I just find that uh, <laughs> sad, but a real statement on, on the corrupt politics overseas as well as here. This game this war is really a replay of the 13 crusades that happened in the Middle Ages where Christian armies were sent over to destroy, you know, the uh, Muslim armies in the Middle East. Um, and, you know, when the last crusade was fought, we, you know, the Christian West uh, left with their tail between their legs and whatever, um, that 
on Damam Island, as I said uh, last week, has financed uh, Saudi Arabia with so much power that they can just tell other governments what to do. And that's what we're seeing. It's, it's scary, but that's what we're seeing. Yeah, and um, I don't know, Stan, I just saw this headline pop across uh, the front of Drudge. Obama sends $400 million in cash to Iran as American prisoners freed. Wooden pallets stacked with euros, Swiss francs, and other currencies were flown on unmarked cargo planes. I thought we didn't negotiate with terrorists. I thought so, too. And when you look at the amount of that, $400 million versus the $500 million that are rumored to have been transferred over here as a political campaign donation... And you know that Saudi Arabia is in a life-and-death struggle with Iran and is asking for nuclear weapons from the United States so that they can be equally armed as Iran is so they can fight them. You can see where our administration, you know, is probably in a win-win situation. They give the Saudis uh, nuclear missiles to defend themselves against Iran, and there will be a conflict over there. And that takes care of the Iranian problem and the Saudi problem at the same time when they beat each other to death, if that happens that way. And then a $100 million spare is in the campaign coffers for probably Hillary. It's just a win-win situation for the administration, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I, I was I was waiting for the airstrip uh, up back my property here to be... Uh, um, no, I, was, I was looking for the cargo planes and the pallets and money and well apparently didn't, i guess didn't, I, I didn't arrive no no <laughs> and you promised Dan. no you, you know to, to me <laughs> we are watching seriously we're, we're watching the uh we're watching everything devolve i think into into ultimately a state of anarchy i believe oh That's yeah just me you know oh yeah i i couldn't agree more i mean we We've just seen so many hot buttons pushed by this administration to stir up the public here. You know, it, uh, Black Lives Matter and, uh, you know, illegal immigrants aren't really illegal. They're just undocumented visitors and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we're being bled to death. Our, our businesses are being shipped out overseas, outsourced because it's too expensive here because of high wages and uh, no intellectual property protection. And then you turn around and see, okay, we're going to raise, you know, the, the minimum wage so that you really can't afford to have people. It's it just, you know, they're just daring us to, to come after the government. And I'm being careful of my choice of words here, but uh, they are, they're, they're stirring us right. up to riot. Yeah, you're right. And the DHS just granted Syrians uh, temporary amnesty. Uh, yesterday, Homeland Security granted temporary amnesty to more than 8,000 Syrians who are already living in the U.S. right now and plan to, uh, you know, extend that to uh, all the Syrians that they bring over uh, to the U.S. here this year in 2016. And if Hillary gets elected, she wants, uh, I think it was a 500% increase in uh, Middle Eastern immigrants to be brought yeah. over. Yeah. And we see yeah. these voter ID laws being struck down and you know, Trump's now saying and accurately saying that people without ID, you know, can vote ten times, and they're absolutely correct, folks. We're talking with Stan Dale from StanDale.com. Um, we got a few minutes till we're taking a quick three-minute break, but when we come back from that break, if you want to talk to Stan, if you got a question for Stan, give us a call eight four four seven six nine two nine four four. 
That's 844-769-2944. we got about three minutes until we go to the break stand. Uh, How's Holly's book been doing? Oh, look. Uh, it's an amazing thing. We, uh, I think I'm going to have to order a reprint already. Uh, they're just flying off the shelf. I'm not kidding. It's really good. People are buying two and three copies and spreading them around because it's just such a, a well-documented collection of everything uh, that's related to prophetic events. Now, as you know, you've, you've got the book. But, um, yeah, it's, it's doing great. Uh, her, uh, I'll tell you something else that's stirring up is a lot of uh, renewed interest in the uh, uh, Prudent Places USA, you know, the, the clever places to be and not to be in the American, uh, you know, the, the 48 states. Well, actually, Alaska's including Canada, or sorry, Alaska and Hawaii as well. But um, she has those maps with about 70 different variables so that you can look at where you live or where you want to live if you're about to move and see what your threats are that you got to deal with, what, what you got to prepare for. And that thing has just had a renewed life. I'm, uh, as we uh, went to here, I was just uh, getting quotes from our, our pressing uh, people down in Arizona to um, to print a new batch of those or to press a new batch of those CD-ROMs because people are really worried about where they are and where they want to go and, uh, you know, how to dodge the bullets. I mean, even some of our conservative neighbors around here were finding out they're stocking in firewood, you know, and these are the old Democrat, by the way, firewood and a little bit of extra supplies. We've only been warning them about this for uh, 15 years, but <laughs> current events are getting their attention. Isn't it amazing how, how they just wait to the last minute yeah, and I, I will say this, having accompanied from out of town at the Hagman household, uh, actually our house is full, but uh, I did put, I took from the studio, I took home uh, prophetic barrels, put it on the coffee table in our living room, and that attracted, that book attracted more of our guests' attention than anything else that, uh, it was interesting because my sister-in-law, uh, I caught her reading that, uh, yeah, it was this morning. It was this morning. She was, uh, sitting on the couch reading, you know, paging through that. And I yeah. said, yeah, that was written, written by, and it, but she was amazed at some of the, um, at some of the parallels that, you know, I mean, amazed at, at, at many of the parallels that, uh, Ollie painted with the, with the scripture. So, uh, with, with the perils we face today, the upcoming apocalyptic series of events and, how well Holly really tied the everything together. Well, you know, Holly and I sat down to design that book cover, and I said to her, "What, what do you, what, what is the book really trying to say?" You know, we we, we worked out the title after you know about a week of uh, trying various things in her mind that would explain what the book was about and you know why to read it. And then she said, well, "Now we've got to put this into some kind of an image on the front cover. What do you think?" And I thought, "Well, hmm." So played around for a while, and, and I thought, "Well." She's referencing Old Testament, New Testament stuff. So that was the, the reason for designing the, the scroll spread across the front uh, cover and putting Hebrew and Greek in there and English and stuff. And, you know, with an explosion behind it, as, you know, the prophecy does say, there will be a great heat at the end of the millennial reign. And, you know, the earth and the universe as we know it will be just blown away in heat. And a new earth and a new universe will follow it. And so, anyway, putting all that together, and once I got it on there and put it in the 3D, you know, program and, and shot a few images, we stood back and we looked at that and we thought, wow, that really grabs you. You know, that the, the visual image just really grabs you. And so the good Lord kind of directed us into what he wanted us to put there. And uh, I find myself, even when I walk past the, the stack of books in the, in the wrapping room, and I 
see hers laying on the top of a stack, I'll stop, you know, because that the image just grabs you for some reason. I don't know why. It, but does. it really does. It does. Hold that. Hold right. Hold right there. Standeo from standeo.com. Coming right back. You just hold right in there, folks. More on the other side. We'll be taking phone calls with Stan Deo for the remainder of the show. Folks, if you want to call, the number is 844-769-2944. And we are going to go to the phones in just a second. We actually have a full bank of calls, so let's get into them now. Stan, you ready to take some calls? Okay. Yep. All right. We're going to go first to Emmy in Iowa. Emmy, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report with Stan. Hi, Doug. Hi, Joe. Hi, Stan. Thanks for taking my call. Quick question. I live over here on the northwest corner of Iowa. I was coming in from Chicago the other day, and there was a huge brown bank of, this about chemtrails, a bank of the chemtrails laid in. And uh, my respiratory course is all messed up because of this. But here's my question. I was wondering, are they doing the chemtrails to mask the Nibiru or the Planet X from all of us? Is that one thing? And the other thing, is there a tracking site that we can see where these chemtrails are throughout the world and in our country? And that's the question I have. Uh, Emmy, uh, you know, thank you for that uh, question. The our questions. I don't know that there is a, a website that does what you ask. Uh, I can only suggest that you do a, a Bing or Google search or you know front page search that allows you to uh, find. Let's see, how would you search for that? Um, Kim and then uh, well, Kim trails all one word or split into two, and then uh, global reports or global maps, something like that. Um, as far as why they're doing this and why is it brown? I, you see. If they were putting that out to shield us from being able to see Planet X or Nibiru, I think it would be more global in um, in its coverage. Uh, for instance, you're reporting that there. Here in Colorado, we've had clear blue skies with nice clouds and rain and stuff occasionally, uh, really enjoying the, the respite from uh, chemtrails. So if they were doing it so that none of us could look uh, at the, uh, the stars and see Nibiru, that wouldn't be an explanation. Uh, furthermore, Nibiru, from what reports I've been able to glean, uh, is supposed to be detectable mainly from the southern hemisphere. And I've got amateur astronomers there who uh, would uh, tell me if they had seen it, but I'm getting no reports back from that. And we've, you know, been asking for that for some time from down in Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah, and I think the chemtrails are, in my opinion, are more about the uh, terraforming of the environment, you know, yeah. spraying yeah. the heavy metals into and basically poisoning all living things on this earth. Well, some of them may be like uh, chemistry like that, Joe. But I think that the the original intent, and I don't know how long that's been in effect or if it still is, was to shield various parts of our food production area from various new bandwidths of radiation coming from the sun that would destroy plant life, like in the ultraviolet C 
region and, and some of the B region, which can kill pine trees like in Northern California. Um, so I'm, I'm of two minds because I don't know how you identify the good, excuse me, the good uh, chemtrails from the bad ones, uh, if there is such a thing. Um, yeah. They do have chemtrails yeah. all over the planet. So, All right. Uh, thank you, Emmy, for oh, the call. Oh. We're going to... We're going to okay. go to Bob in Virginia next. Bob, you're live with Stan Dale. Uh, good evening, Doug, Joe, Stan. Uh, uh, like I said, my, my name is Bob from Virginia. I'm an airline pilot. I've called in before. Uh, I see you're just talking about chemtrails. Um, I am an airline pilot who is aware of this activity. I have been asked before if I've seen them while I was flying, and I've said, no, because we are rooted around, or what we say, vectored around this activity. So I've learned to identify this activity from the ground because there's unusual contrail or lingering contrail activity in the morning specifically or in the afternoon to answer uh, the previous caller's uh, question. Good, good. Thank you. Um, my understanding appears to be one to affect the the environment uh, for uh, the growing season for weather um, for to control of course you know if you look at the activity always follow the money by by manipulating the environment or the climate so to speak uh, people make money by betting on uh, futures right I mean it's pretty much standard right also Stan I, I wonder have you talk to anybody who is measuring the tilt, current tilt of the earth because in my um, understanding of the climate or earth changes that I'm seeing during my work and of course I have solar panels I have a garden and people say I have a small farm so I see a change in the rising of the sun, the moon and stuff do you know of anybody that is measuring the tilt or the angles of such? Well, a number of civilians here in Taiwan and, and uh, other countries have uh, emailed me about their gardens and the shadows appearing on the garden walls, you know, in Japan, where they didn't ever appear before it's at that same time of year. Now, again, these are not documented um, pieces of data, so I that's that we can't count on, but I have been looking at the uh, official plot of the wandering of the North Pole in this great ever-widening spiral. That does indicate, even from an official source, that the polar wandering is accelerating, and the, the North Pole is wandering or spreading out its uh, spiral at twice the rate in, in degrees per year that the South Pole is, which would indicate a um, maybe a top-heavy planet spinning uh, out of control or about to spin and form a new axis. Um, Bob, if you do find something yourself, which you know is, is reliable data, someone plotting that, I would certainly like to hear from you at uh, standao at standao dot com. Um, it is something I have researched and, and not found a satisfactory answer, but I do see uh, indications that something is amiss with the the geographic spin of the planet, in addition to the magnetic inversion of our poles. Um, they're just one single little factor uh, would bring mainstream science and uh, us conspiracy science people together, our biblical science people together on this point. If 
mainstream science to concede the point from their own uh, you know, physicist report as far as the age of the universe. If we could get them to concede that the speed of light was approximately 10 to the 60th power greater at the Big Bang than it is now, and that it has been slowing down in a rapid uh, exponential curve, then we could bring our biblical and uh, Sumerian and various other Middle Eastern and Egyptian datings into line with mainstream science. And this means that catastrophic events like magnetic pole reversal and perhaps like a, a total reversal of the geomagnetic, sorry, of the, uh, of the uh, physical uh, mantle of the Earth reversing, you know, flipping upside down or sideways, we could bring those events instead of in tens of thousands of years into hundreds of years or thousands of years maximum. Uh, and that would then allow us to compare their data streams to our data streams and come into very close agreement. If that happens, if that happens, we are going to panic a lot of people because they'll realize suddenly that these catastrophic events are not over and they could happen overnight. Um, our sun is a prime example. It's going through some stages right now that I think are indicative of it throwing off a huge mass cloud around it. Anyway, Bob, I, I digress, but um, as I said, if you find information that you can pass on to me, I would appreciate it. Thanks for the call, Bob. We're going to go to uh, Joe next in California. Joe, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Hey, how are you guys? Hi, Joe. Good. Good. Um, the question is regarding what are called ley lines. I don't know, uh, you know, I've read about them. I don't know if they fall into your science world, Stan. And if so, is there just a different name for them? And why does it seem that they are built in a grid-like fashion and along points of interest, especially uh, mounds, which are burial mounds, and bank, uh, banks, like banks of, like, m money banks <laughs> and churches? Oh. Um, Joe, I've looked at this, and here's something to consider. The ley lines, let's say they exist, um, did they always exist in the same place, or have they moved when the Earth tilted 23.5 degrees? If, it was, if they were in place when the Earth was vertical, they wouldn't be in the same place they are now. They would be shifted. Did they occur after, say, Pangaea split up or the continent split apart? Uh, okay, if they did... Why would these lines, uh, or uh, like lines of, of uh, influence, shall we say, of energy, why would they even manifest in any form at all? And to agree with you, I must say that my my uh, new model for gravity and what produces gravity is what's called a hydrodynamic or fluid model of spinning space. And it does allow for... <laughs> Waves that are converging uh, toward the center of the planet and waves that are diverging from it in a in a spin, and these two fields overlap with kind of a like a skewed grid. It's not you know if you look at the North Pole, it's not rectangular or, or, or square grids. It's grids like that that are slipped sideways, like I think they call it a rhombus. But anyway, it's a parallelogram that's shifted to the right uh, on the top of it versus the bottom of it on, on these things. Now those uh, those I guess those lines we'll call them uh, are a result of wave fronts, little uh, minor wave fronts in the spinning fluid of space that creates the illusion of gravity as the sum of two different waves in opposite directions. I, I, I'm trying to figure out a way, Joe, to say that in $5 words instead of $50 words, because Holly sits over there and says, no, 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 no 
$50 words. But I, I hope you understood what I was trying to say, did you? I, I really did. I, I, I think in a, in a way, almost, they're almost, the lines you're talking about are almost spiritual in a sense, maybe from uh, God. <laughs> and maybe the ley lines are what we think in the physical world um, represent those, I, I guess, right? Well, look, you know, I don't know because um, we're we're all still working on parallel universe theory, where God's universe is is concentric to our to ours everywhere, and uh, you know when our universe is destroyed uh, in that that fervent heat he talks about in Revelation, uh, it's going to be replaced with a new uh, universe, and that I mean that his universe is consuming ours as part of the the process he set up to destroy this virtual reality that we have and we call it existence. You know, uh, if that's the case, then these these little wave fronts and the gravitational fields might be some sort of a a subtle link to his parallel universe. I know that when he talked uh, with Adam and when he walked and talked with Noah, he was able to physically stand by them and talk to them, you know, without hurting them. But by the time we got to Moses, he he said to Moses on top of Mount Sinai, he said, look, I know you want to have a look at me, but I'm going to have to hide you in this cleft of the mountain here to protect you because I'm going to, if I were to appear right in front of you like I did, you know, in the old days, uh, my presence, the energy of my presence would destroy you. So I'll project my image up onto a cloud, and while you're hiding in the cleft of this mountain here, look out through the, the crack there, and you'll see the cloud with my image on it, and it won't hurt you. So it's telling us that the disparity, the huge disparity between the energy of the average particle in God's universe is growing much greater because ours is growing so weak here. And you can see why this consuming fire will destroy us in the end. Joe, thanks for the call, and Stan, that's some, some great insight. Uh, moving right along here, we're going to Virginia in Wisconsin next. Virginia, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Oh, thank you so much for taking my call, Doug and Joe and Stan. I am just honored to talk to, to all of you. Um, I was been listening to the radio, and it isn't on mainstream very much, but in um, Inserlik, is that where Aragon is? The Air Force Base in Turkey, yeah. in Cyrillic Air Force Base, Turkey, U.S. Yeah. Air Force Base, I might add, yes. Yeah. I, I got in late today, so I'm, I'm sorry if you've already talked about that. But um, they were saying that last night or this weekend there were 20,000 Turkish troops that had surrounded uh, 1,500 um, people, the airmen that are on the base, and we've got a lot of hydrogen bombs there. And um, I'm just wondering what Stan's ideas of Aragon maybe taking over those hydrogen bombs and then going to buddy up with Putin and whoever else to to start the Gog-Magog war, Um, because it would be real easy for them to take those hydrogen bombs, and they got the planes to deliver them then. Well, it... Virginia, it's probably not going to be as easy as you'd think. Um, these things can be uh, disarmed quite rapidly. There are protocols in place to protect our nuclear weapons from hostiles around the base in various foreign countries. However, having said that, um, it, it is possible, though not probable, it is possible that Erdogan can get control of those nuclear weapons. And uh, certainly he has been buddying up with Putin, as you said. Now, Erdogan fancies himself as a modern-day Solomon, an absolute dictator with great wisdom. Anybody that I've talked to that's been in Turkey uh, will tell you that he is an egotistical 
maniac. He really is. And we do not believe for a second that the attempt on his life or a coup was initiated by anybody else other than him in the back room. He has been fighting for absolute control through the normal parliamentary processes in in, uh, Turkey over the last three years, two to three years. And because he has not been able to get official permission to let him be absolute ruler of the country by forming this coup, or allowing it to happen, shall we say, it has put him in a position where he could take action militarily against his own country, his own countrymen, and take total control, which he has done. Now, that means that uh, he can demand things from the United States, and perhaps from Russia and Germany, um, with the power that he now holds by surrounding that base. I do know that there are some, or there are a number uh, of our own U.S. military bases in the region that have been put on high alert uh, to stand by for action uh, should Erdogan uh, get to the base, you know, actually capture it. Uh, that might be part of the protocol to um, make the base a big smoking hole uh, to keep the hydrogen bombs out of the hands of Erdogan and his associates. Um, the, the Gog-Magog war will come after a, um, a Middle East uh, consortium of Arabic countries, probably led by Saudi Arabia, from what uh, Psalm 83 says, will attack Israel and be utterly destroyed on the ground. Now, that will leave the Stans, the Turkey, uh, the Irans, all those kind of countries available to be in the Gog Magog invasion with uh, Russia and Turkey and whoever else is in that uh, consortium. So first of all, look for the attack on Israel. Now, if Erdogan is leading toward the Gog-Magog Consortium, uh, we ought to see that uh, Psalm 83 war occur very rapidly. And as I've said several times on the show here, young Prince Salman of Saudi Arabia has already organized and done military exercises with 34 member nations of an Arab confederacy. And although they speak nice things about Israel, He's now got an army of great magnitude, uh, not with a lot of nuclear weapons, if any, but that's why he's dealing with the White House, which could be turned against Israel and which will lead to the Arabic consortium's demise. I think this is probably why we saw the rumors of the $500 million transfer from the, the Saudis by backdoor channels over to the administration in the White House, where $400 million of it was uh, used... Um, Elsewhere and 100 million for political donations, but the elsewhere was in the um, uh, control of the nuclear weapons in Iran. So, you know, uh, Erdogan is a guy to watch. I've had him on my watch list for months now. You'll see it on my show images page under the Antichrist. Um, I, I forget the exact name of the link, but you'll see it. There'll be pictures of um, um, who is the Antichrist, you know, uh, Solomon. Uh, Assad, uh, Erdogan, and there's three others, including um, Obama, where I list their characteristics according to prophecy and see who fits it the, the best. And even all those could be wrong, but watch Erdogan. You're, you're absolutely correct. That, that guy that guy is, is a power to, to reason with in the area. Virginia, thank you for your call. Uh, Stan, it's like you're on the lightning round here. Uh, we got a few more calls. Tom from Ecuador is up next. Tom, you're live on the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, good evening. Thank you. Uh, I live about 20 miles south of where the uh, last earthquake was, 
and uh, went up into the earthquake area a couple of times. And everybody we talk to in the different tent cities we go to, really places, um, everybody seems to have uh, a vertigo or a dizziness or a foggy brain uh, and uh, phobias. Uh, is that a signature of, of possible uh, man-made earthquake? And how? I think, I think we lost Tom. Tom but the uh, the signal was terrible, but uh, symptoms of vertigo, dizziness. Uh, okay, now this is interesting. Um, the symptoms of vertigo, dizziness, uh, sometimes nausea and diarrhea do accompany um, ultraviolet B and C increases through thinning of the ozone layer. Now the sun, as I kind of sideways mentioned a while ago, is in a state of change at the moment, and I'm watching it like a hawk. It may be that the sun was emitting uh, electromagnetic radiation in different frequency ranges over that area. Uh, so, Tomas, if you're still listening, uh, the, the Ecuadorian area there is very close to where we've seen problems before with the edge of the South Atlantic anomaly, which is a magnetic field weakness that allows extra solar radiation to get through the surface. And people in the islands east of you there, um, you know, in the um, kind of equatorial region of the Atlantic reported dizziness, uh, diarrhea, skin rashes, um, disorientation. So it may be related to that. As far as a man-made issue, I don't know that we have any programs, uh, you know, no matter whether it's American, Russian, or whatever, I don't know if there are any programs in place to create such widespread anomalies. I would look first for ultraviolet increases, and you can buy these things on the internet and, and supposedly get them sent down to you in Ecuador. It would be interesting if you could do that and get these things out in the sun uh, and measure, you know, like every hour or so in the daylight, what the reading for your ultraviolet is and what bandwidth it is, because that will tell us if it's caused by ultraviolet penetration from the sun in your region. It's an well, interesting, interesting occurrence. I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, uh, Tom, if you could do that. Wait, and Stan, what about methane release? Would would that have the physical effects that uh, Tom was describing? Um, sure well, have if you have nausea, too. I don't know about the uh, other mental effects. Um, yeah, prevailing winds would be from the Pacific, where you could get methane hydrates uh, released. You'd think that there'd be reports offshore of the bubbling of this, um, okay. Methane hydrate doesn't just come in one little release. It, even with the, with a gigantic release, you'll get uh, pre-event and post-event bubbling, uh, smaller bubbles coming up as the hydrates release the hydrogen sulfide. Um, it's possible, but I I tend to think more of a an ultraviolet effect. It'd be interesting to see if the people that are affected by it there in Ecuador and that region, if it only affects them during the day when it's sunlight. If it were messy, yeah, you'd get yeah. nighttime effects as well. No, great point. Um, we got Tom from Ohio. Tom, you're live with Stan Dale. Oh, yes. Can you hear me? I can uh, indeed, Tom. Oh, yes. Well, thank you for taking my call. It's a great pleasure talking to all of you. And um, I, I have a few questions, and I know it sounds bizarre, but it sounds like that's the way things are heading is, is just in a, b a bizarre fashion. But I've been talking to my friends, and we bring up the topic that people's behavior is so 
it's, it's just so strange and so, you know, there's no morality or, you know, the behavior is so wild, like with the uh, the shootings and the, the protests. And I was just wondering, would there be anything in the chemtrails, the chemicals that they're using that would alter people's behavior? And if that would might be a plan. And the second concern would just be, you know, we know if uh, Hillary wins, Trump will go in and ask for a, a recount. But if Trump would win, then that's putting Hillary even into and and the people behind her even into a, a, a smaller corner. Do you think that she would have something set up with like Saudi Arabia as um, I don't want to say a backup, but another type of threat? And I can take the, the response off the air. And thank you. It's been great speaking with you, and God bless. God bless. Thanks, Don. Okay, the chemtrails. Okay, um, yes, there could be heavy metals and things like that that do affect human behavior. We know, for instance, if there were, like, lead-type uh, particles in the air, that it could cause various forms of uh, mental aberrations in the populace. But... Um, it would have to build up over a period of time, which we've seen the chemtrails over a long period of time, um, and get into the soil and get into our food chain and then affect us that way. There's also the possibility that the activity in the sun with these uh, uh, anomalous solar flares and coronal holes that have been forming right now, that these things are affecting human behavior. A French study in the early 70s, 1970s, did uh, find a correlation between marriage, divorce rates, uh, divorce rates, and crimes uh, and insanity of various types during high sunspot activity. Well, the sunspot activity is low at the moment, but the coronal holes uh, activity, is, you know, the openings are bigger in surface area than even the sunspot activity, and they are a related type uh, phenomenon. Uh, second question, guys, what was it about? Uh, uh, I got carried away there. What did he ask for the second part? <laughs> I think we're all like deer staring into the headlights. Uh, I'm, oh, I'm gosh, not sure. I'm he, he with that. The, no, I, I, he's I, not I, I, wrapped I, up in your explanation there. And he's not on hold anymore. Yeah. Um, oh. Uh, wow. Let me just think what was it he said about that. He said he went on about that. Oh, and the other was a very good question, too. What was it? Ah, well, um, maybe you can call back in. We can catch him again. Well, yeah, and, and we're we're getting getting short on time, but but uh, oh, we've got about uh, a minute left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we uh, yeah, about about. Tom, I do apologize out there. Um, maybe if you email if you can me, email. I can address that yeah. next time. Yeah, email us, or or, or if you want, uh, email Stan directly yeah. if you can. Uh, with the second part of your question, and Stan being the the gracious uh, host that he is, will uh, respond to you. Absolutely, um, sure. And we sure. thank you, Stan, for taking the time that you do. Uh, and also want to thank you for hanging with us and uh, getting used to this new format. As we this is our our second day rolling this out, so we're still working out our own kinks and bugs with it. Yeah, and uh, you know what? trying it's, to change uh, things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Stan. I'll tell you, it's 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 great having you on as a guest, and it's great that uh, you. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to take calls and and answering um, people. People have been uh, one of the uh, Stan. One of the one of the biggest email or um, most popular emails that we get are Stan. Question saying, for Stan. Yeah, question for <laughs> Stan. Or can can I possibly talk to him? And you. Well, that's good. Be out there. 
So, I like yeah. the format. Uh, it's much like what um, Coast to Coast AM does. It, it has the first part with you know you know details from the guests and then question mm-hmm. time. And uh, I just didn't know whether people would be interested enough to to do it, but apparently they are. They've loaded your board, so that's great. Oh yeah, brother. Well, and I and I want to thank both you and Holly for all you do. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> My goodness, you want to ask me? Thing a few yeah. minutes ago. What the heck's that about? But <clears throat> no, Stan, it's been great having you on another week. And uh, folks, again, go yeah. to standeo.com, bookmark his website. He does other radio show guest appearances. Absolutely. Uh, you can get his books as well as Holly's uh, books. And Holly's latest book uh, is Prophetic a must get Perils, Prophetic man. Perils and Time That's Events Revealed. And, um, and Prudent Places USA. Uh, Stan, I'm glad you mentioned that because that really. Is a, is a great little tool for people interested in maybe relocating. And, and thank you so much. Thank Holly. And good job on Alex Jones the other day. Stan. Yes. And I got a chance to listen to you. Yes. Uh, well, and I didn't even know you were on. It was late at night, but, uh, yeah, we, they say we're going to do another full hour there here shortly. So that'll be good. And we can clarify some more points. Well, all right. That'll do it for us tonight. Stan, God bless you. Until next time. Thank you so much. God bless you, folks. Boy. See, we're going to see you back here tomorrow. And uh, to, look, spread the word about the Hagman Hagman Report bookmark or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Have a good night, people.